Give the gift of Gretzky. 99 stories of the game by Wayne Gretzky. First, he rewrote the record book. Now, he's written the story of our game. To mark the NHL's 99th anniversary, Gretzky looks back on the last 99 years and tells us, from his point of view, about the NHL's most memorable moments. We already know what he means to the game. Now, he shows us what the game means to him. From hockey's fierce early battles on natural ice, through its mythical golden era, where Howe, Richard, Beliveau, Hall, or an Esposito defined greatness, through the unforgettable dynasties in Montreal, New York, and Edmonton, and the success stories of today's NHL, Gretzky takes us onto the ice and into the dressing room to share never-before-published stories about the great players and great characters who have inspired him. Head over to your local bookstore today and to cross another person off your list this holiday season. Canago Pizza presents SCP. The Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle and Adam Wild. Yeah, see. We never know who's Adam when Adam's not here. Hi, welcome to the Panagle Pizza Steve Dangle podcast. I'm Steve Dangle. We have producer Jesse Blake. I don't think either of us should try to be Adam. Yeah, no. He's he's too unique. He's too no. versatile. He's a good host. Well, it, did you hear that other voice? That's another host. Hi. That's, that is uh, Ken Reed of Sportsnet. He's, Ken Reed can be Adam. He, you can be Adam. I don't know how to throw to break on this show. That's basically what Adam does, right? Yeah. He, he, he puts that's it on all a TV. <laughs> if you most, ask Reddit, that's all he does. Most hosts, and I know this from being one, all we do is just tee it up for the real talent. So he just tees it up for you. Me. That's and also <laughs> important on, when you're hosting is to suck up to the real talent mm. and make them feel like they're actually talented. So uh-huh. there you go, there buddy. You go. Well, that earned you a plug. So Ken Thank Reed you. is the author of the book <laughs> One Night Only. Thank you. Which uh, you can buy, where can you buy it? All over the place? You can buy it at fine bookstores everywhere, as they say. But for this internet-savvy audience, I'm sure that's listening to this, it's just a click away at Amazon.ca or Amazon.com. One night only, buy it now. One night only. So, where do we where do we start? Because we're probably going to be here a while. Yeah. We could talk about your book the whole time. Sure, or whatever you want to do. about... Jeez, Leafs. Yeah, okay, fine. I'd like to hear your thoughts on the Leafs. Okay. Um, it's just so frustrating. Mm-hmm. It's just so damn frustrating. And and I think it was, I think it was the season in a nutshell. Last night against yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, against Minnesota. It was just the season in a nutshell because they could have put it away. Mm-hmm. They had excuses for not being able to put it away. Oh, it was Devin Dubnik. Oh, you know, he made a lot of saves. But you're going to encounter Devin Dubnik throughout the season. You're going to encounter Carey Price, Braden Holtby. You're going to run into hot goalies. Uh, I don't think that's what cost them the game. It was the mistakes early on. Um, Kadri behind the net. Oh, see, now you sound like a real hockey coach. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, well, you know, it was uh, the mistakes early on, Kadri behind the net, and, you know, you'd like to get a save on that one too, but... Uh, and, uh, and the What's that? The players. Oh, yeah, players. you know, the players. You know, are you a player or aren't you a player? You know, and on, on the second goal, you know, Chris Stewart, I mean, I know the guy's built like a freight train, but he's not exactly Pavel Burry in there. I don't know how you let him get in on a breakaway, and then... Uh, 
you know, who the hell is Jason Zucker? Anyone actually know that guy's <laughs> name before the game started? And I don't even remember who scored the third. Oh, it was Eric Stahl. But it wasn't Eric Stahl in 2007, <laughs> you know. It was 2016, leading his team in scoring. I know. I don't care. I get the notes. Very good. <laughs> well Have you ever done that to Babcock at a presser? To I've a never Mike. met Mike Babcock. You've never met Mike? No, Have you not ever, yet. You should do that for him. I wonder what he'd think of it. I think he'd deck me in the face. Yeah, I think not. He might get a kick out of it. Who knows? I hope so. I mean, the guy enjoys uh, socks with his face on him. It's always tough to judge a person when when all you know them from is their media scrums. We were just kind of talking about that before we came yeah. on. Yeah. So maybe Mike Babcock would think that's absolutely hilarious. I mean, I hope so. If somebody yeah. imitated me, like Ivanka imitates me in the newsroom some nights, I think it's pretty funny. You know, she just. Goes around yelling Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia, and <laughs> stuff like that. And eats donuts. We uh, a couple couple shows ago, I said uh, I said if if you're near anybody from the East Coast, get them to say Mitch Marner to Matt Martin. Oh yeah, Mitch Marner to Matt Martin. <laughs> oh, yeah. it was great. And we, we got a few videos of that. But okay, yeah. So back to uh, the Leafs and why they suck. So <laughs> don't you think they just ran into a hot goalie? Seriously, dude makes the best goal in the NHL right now. Yes, but they had. They okay. So the Leafs have an awful schedule. We we kind of went through this. Um, teams um, rested or no, sorry, teams playing a team that is tired versus being a tired team. Okay, gotcha. so the Oilers have a wicked advantage there. They are playing the tired team. 19 times this season. So everybody goes to Calgary first and then to Edmonton? Is that what happens? Exactly. That's what I assume, yeah. And then Edmonton is the tired team eight times. Mm-hmm. So they have a plus 11 there, right? The Leafs are the tired team 14 times. And I think the rested team, it's either six times or eight times. Mm-hmm. So they had all this time off. You got to take advantage of that with so, a schedule this bad. Is this a new analytic stat? TT tired team, RT rested team. Because you know I got no. hit for pucks in deep. Pid, pucks in deep. Oh, Pid, which, is, which is essentially what Mike Babcock was talking about. Where the Leafs got beaten last night, they got beaten down low. They got beaten behind the net because why? The Wild got the pucks in deep. They that Eric Stahl goal. Perfect example. Created from a puck in deep. And, uh, you know, I don't always go to the morning skates, but it was extra frustrating because they practiced battles along the board at the morning skate. Sure. Well, I guess, you know, they didn't practice it hard enough and so didn't work on the ice, so now we got to work at practice. Don't you, guys think, don't you guys think a battle drill at a morning skate is just wasting energy? 100%, because they're not gonna, actually going hard at all. Are you going to get better at battling in a battle drill from the morning skate. No, I'd, I'd rather do that on a, on an off day or a non-game day and save your energy for the night. I think the morning skate is just... The morning skate developed basically in the 60s and 70s to skate the booze out of guys from the night before. <laughs> That's, I'm not kidding. And it, it really doesn't apply anymore because hockey players don't party the way they used to. The game's different now. The guys are all in shape. I think the morning skate, it's great for the media. We get our pregame quotes. Other than that, I see not much need for it. Now, I guess you could say the unfortunate thing for a lot of teams because they're traveling and because of mandated off days from the CBA now, maybe you have to use it as practice time, which I think kind of maybe cost you that night if you need that little extra step in your in your jets. But the morning skate to me, it's it's basically there for the media now. I wonder how often teams have a night practice. Because I, I went to one last year for the really? Marlies, and it blew my mind. I was like, what do you what do you mean the practice is at 5? I've never heard of that for the NHL. I mean, you just shove in a practice wherever you can. But I don't, I don't know. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Because you do the morning skate. Mm-hmm. You talk to the media. Yeah. It's never 
like a Barbara Walters like interview no. because it's so rapid fire. Yeah, Teams are trying to, to catch the bus. Here we go. Yeah, you know, you know, it's a good Player team. Game. Leafs, you know, they're going to get better, you know, sooner than you think. How mm-hmm. many, how many more coaches am I going to listen to say that? Uh, yeah, I would like to just see a coach or somebody just go on a Randy Macho Man Savage rant one day. You know, just totally <laughs> call out the other team. But that's not that's not how it works, unfortunately. But you're right. I mean, it's there to we as the media get our quotes. For the players, we're basically disrupting their sleep. Let's face it. A lot mm-hmm. of the times, they'll get into town at 1 a.m. They'll go to bed. They're the visiting team. you got to be on the ice at 11 a.m. for your morning skate. You really want to do that? I mean, I think the morning skate, just it just sucks a lot of energy out of guys. Now, they're used to it. So maybe you could say it does. It's it's part of their routine, but I think if it didn't become part of the routine, I don't think a lot of players would miss the morning skate. Nope. And uh, I'll give you an example. Um, it affects the star players too. Luke Shen, who was I don't know kind of a star <laughs> for a while. He was. Leafs. Yeah, uh-huh. for sure. Um, he so there was a Leaf game day, right? Mm-hmm. And they usually try to not schedule extracurriculars on game days, but. It was unavoidable for him. Um, he was going to do a Nike shoot with his brother. The Flyers were in town. They only got in town that day. So it's Luke and Braden Shen. So Luke goes to the morning skate, and Braden actually goes to the morning skate. Then they, instead of having their nap like they usually would, they got to do this Nike thing. And they got to have a dorky little 21-year-old like me or whatever I was at the time ask them stupid questions, <laughs> scripted, take shots on a net, do photo shoot opportunities. And, you know, by the time by the time that's all said and done, it's like, what, 2 or 3 o'clock? Mm-hmm. Then when have they got to be at the arena for a 7 o'clock game? 5? 4.35. 4.30? There's, something like that. So there's no time. There's no way that happens under Lou, though. No. <laughs> Hell no. Yeah, did you do a commercial shoot on the game day? No, no, no. Do you yeah, think he's hiding uh, Matthews right now? Because there hasn't been a lot of endorsements for him. I, I'd say protecting. Yeah, protecting. A better, better word. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's when you're a young kid, he's obviously getting lots of offers. I don't know what kind of offers he's getting, but if you're the number one pick and you're going to the Toronto Maple Leafs, so you have to protect your asset, as they say. So there's this new, I think it's Bauer. There was a little Bauer video made with Jonathan Taves and Austin Matthews just firing pucks around and trying to do trick shots and all that. And I'm like, when were Jonathan Taves and Austin Matthews in the same building? That would be the World Cup, wouldn't it? It would have had to have been the World Cup or that one night in Chicago. Those are the only opportunities they would have had. So maybe they know that about Lou Mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, let's get it in before the season. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say that would be World Cup for sure, right? Because... I, that'd be my guess. But yeah, I mean, it, you have to remember who pays your bills, right? Luke uh, Austin Matthews is under contract for the Leafs. He's going to make his most money for the Leafs. So. And Lou's been known to call the shots. So if you can protect the guy from a lot of attention, and let's face it, if you're Austin Matthews, there's going to be no shortage of attention. I, I actually mm-hmm. wouldn't mind coming up as a rookie under Lou Lamarello. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be pretty nice to have somebody there looking out for me like that. Because well, who knows what I'd be endorsing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Big 8 pop. Stuff like that. That's a no-name brand, by the way, from the East Coast. And uh, I was about to say this. <laughs> you guys ever tried Big 8 Cream Soda? Two liters for 79 cents. It's no, I'm going to have to try next time I'm up there. Seriously, come on down. Big 8 Cola. Goes great with a little uh, white rum. Do you guys get, um, well, do you, you guys, you live here, but um, what's that beer from Newfoundland called? Dark Horse? Dark Horse, yeah. We didn't get it in Nova Scotia. No? No. It's just a, just a rock As thing. far as I know, it's confined to the rock. Now, it might be out it. and about now because I've, I actually don't think I've ever had a Dark Horse. I've it's had lots good. of screech in my day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jesse, have you been screeched in? No, I've never been to the East Coast. Really? Have I you have. been screeched in? I have. I've never been screeched in. I've never been what? to Newfoundland. Wow. Yeah, I've never gotta been to go, man. Okay, how about, let me fun. ask you this. Hmm. 
from Ontario. Have you ever been to Manitoba? No. Man- See, and it's the province next to you. That's the misconception. Yeah, I know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Th- everyone that's thinks true. everyone from Nova Scotia always is in Newfoundland all the time, but it's a, been it's to a ferry ride or a flight. Yeah, been to Quebec, but not Manitoba. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good point. Jesse just got back from Vancouver. Yeah, I saw yeah. the Leafs and Canucks out there. Really? Yeah, it was well, crazy. What did you think of that one? Because we um, lost that one too. People, <laughs> I, a lot of people tweeted me and they were saying that it was sounded very pro-Leafs, but the crowd was like 40% Leafs, so it wasn't yeah. really quite 50-50. But the Vancouver people are just distraught. They're yeah, just they're kind of sitting on their hands just waiting for the Leafs to score. But, you know, they they won the game, so it's kind of weird. They started weird to get loud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. could tell they're like, we might actually do it. Yeah, because <laughs> the Leafs fans were a lot louder. Yeah, having worked, I worked in Edmonton and Calgary, and, and the Leafs come to town. People mm-hmm. are just Leafs fans get jacked. It's unlike Leafs fans at the Air Canada Center see them every night. If you're in Vancouver and the Leafs come to town, what once a year? It's the weirdest mm-hmm. thing. It's a big event. Mm-hmm. It's a big event, but that just shows you the power of that that franchise, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not. I mean, if you were to come to a game at the ACC, you would think Leaf fans suck. Yeah. But yeah. if you go to any other building in the league... You think you're great. <laughs> yeah. I met someone who came down from the Yukon and actually listened to the podcast. And wow. They, and what? They came to, yeah, and they, and they saw me on the street and they were at the game and they had all their Leafs You're gear. a celebrity in Vancouver. <laughs> you're huge. No. He's also no. like six foot nine. Yeah, I'm not hard to miss. Walking yeah. Around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they said every time the Leafs are in town, they come down with their gear to Vancouver and they watch them. Wow, shout yeah. out Yukon Gold Potatoes. Yeah. Yes, and <laughs> other Yukon things. Cornelius Jack from Rudolph, wasn't he from UConn? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cornelius. Yeah, we'll be seeing UConn that sometime soon on TV. Oh, if we haven't already. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. think Cornelius was from UConn. Something like that. He was. UConn Cornelius. There you go. UConn <laughs> <laughs> Cornelius Jack. I was like, Cornel- I don't think that's the same. Wait, yeah. UConn Cornelius. Okay, there. It's been there. We've, we've decided it. Yeah, he's from UConn. <laughs> so the Leafs sit last in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, brutal. Is this a season of missed opportunities? Because if you think back to all the points they've left on the board. Um, at the end of the day, it will be. like Because if you miss the playoffs, like who cares where you finish from 9th till 16th or whatever it is in the East, right? Mm-hmm. Who cares? But I don't think they're going to end up finishing last. They're not the worst team in this conference, man. I won't. I will not let go of that. I will go down in April. Believing that. I, I don't care. Unless they suffer like a really significant injury, which a lot of teams have and the Leafs have not, um, they have no excuse to have the record that they do. And they're still, aren't they last place and 500? Yeah, we're, they're 500. New right 500. Now. I'm yeah, with you. Yeah, new 500, yes. You know what? I think the Leafs are, are not. They 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 shouldn't be a reflection of the record. I think they're playing really well. They're mm-hmm. not the first team to lose to Minnesota after out shooting them by a ton. That mm-hmm. that happens when yeah. you play Minnesota this year. But I I cannot see the Leafs finishing last in the no. East, and I I think they're going to put together a pretty good run. And at the very least, at least they're riding their young guys, and they're fun to watch. Like for the first time in forever, they're fun to watch. And I yep. you know I'm I'm not a Leafs fan. I didn't grow up a Leafs fan, and but I'll admit that this. I think they're totally going in the right direction. And from what I saw last night, you outshoot a team 37-20. Yeah, you lose by a goal, but I wouldn't be pulling my hair out after last night's result. And yeah, there's some things you can work on down low. Well, Coach doesn't say that after a game. Well, for so, sure, you know. Yeah, so I, I, there's no way they finish last. No way. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but no, do you want them to finish last? But, but this year's draft no. isn't, you know. Well, th- this is... 
I said in my video today, I feel like I'm paying for my sins now because yeah. I've been cheering for tanking for two straight years, mm -hmm. and now I'm cheering for them to win, and they're just like, no. Well, Chris <laughs> yeah. Johnson said last episode that within two years, they better be a contender. So now it's about the build, not the rebuild. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Last year, I called it the, the D-build. The D-build? Yeah. yeah, because yeah. that's all you're doing is you're stripping assets and acquiring new ones. Mm -hmm. This year, uh, if you're out of the playoff picture by the trade deadline, you might do that. There's some interesting finagling you can do with the expansion draft. But if you cheer for this team to tank, you're cheering for the future to lose. Correct. At this point. Correct. Um. You're cheering for a team with Austin Matthews to lose, mm -hmm. Mitch Marner to lose, even, hey, Connor Carrick and Nikita Zaitsev, those guys are rookies, Connor Brown. I, I mean, let me just name every rookie on the team. <laughs> you get it. You get the point. You're cheering for, you know, 20% of Frederick's, uh, Frederick Anderson's contract to be a write-off. Yeah. You're, you're cheering for a lot of, a lot of hurt. <laughs> a lot of hurt. Um, it's just with hope comes a, a little bit of this. You know, a little yeah. bit of agony. It wasn't going to be a straight line to the top. Mm -hmm. Exactly. No. Exactly. This is this is the very, very frustrating thing. As, as uh, ACDC once said, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. It's not a straight path. Hotels, motels make me want to cry, you know? There's going to be some pain. Not the pain that we saw last year, obviously. You have a very uh, different approach to... to Quoting people than Jeff Merrick. Well, yeah, Jeff Merrick's yeah. always like Nietzsche <laughs> yeah, yeah. says. The philosopher <laughs> says. Yeah, uh, and by the way, Jeff Merrick wrote the forward for my book. But yeah, Jeff Merrick's no. deep. I'm power chord. I'm a power chord kind of guy. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to go too deep. Merrick's, you know, the twelve piece, twelve string acoustic guitar. I'm cut the bottom three strings off and just power chord. Yeah, but when you're in the bar and you're a few deep, what part are you singing? That's right. There you You're go. You're rocking along to me and April Wine, Canada's most underrated band of all time. Seriously. As featured in Trailer Park Boys. If you guys are ever at a party and you go, what's this song? It's awesome. Whose thing is this? Nine out of ten times, it's April Wine. April Wine. Yep. Guaranteed. You'll look it up and you'll, oh my God, April Wine sings that? It's true. It, just think of the classics. April Wine. 50 cents. <laughs> we, we were talking about that before the show. Uh, so I was talking to Connor Carrick. Um, about like music he listens to pregame or post win or whatever it is, yeah. and he's like, yeah, you know, I like I like the classics, like heavy bass stuff, you know, like Fifty Cent. I'm like, <laughs> how classics. old are you? <laughs> See, when that song was out, I was actually in the club. You know, when that first song first came out. <laughs> Wow. They oh, my think, God. They think 50 Cent is classic. We're talking, what, 2002, 2003 when, when 2003. In the Club came out? Yeah. 2003, yeah. But, I mean, if, how old is Connor Carrick? 22. Okay, so so that Shaved song six years up, off so me. So he was nine years old. Oh, my That's God. like me in 1994 singing I Want to Rock by Twisted Sister was a classic, and to me it was. I remember being in college and asking the DJ... To me and my buddy asking the DJ to play I Want to Rock by Twisted Sister or We're Not Gonna Take It Anymore. He's like, that crap's old. <laughs> but that was the equivalent of what in the club is to Connor Carrick today. And that is why it all goes back to the conversation we were having before we came on. What is a man? How old is a man? <laughs> it all depends on how old you are. When I was eight, if you played Major Junior, you were a man. Mm. Now that I'm of a certain vintage, I'm not a man yet. A man <laughs> is somebody in his 60s or 70s like my father. I'm, let's call it late 
Something's and I'm not a man. <laughs> and I'm not a man yet. You're late somethings. You're not a man yet. Look at you. You're no man. I agree. I am a little boy. Jesse, you're no man uh, yet. No, I'm a child compared to you guys. <laughs> I'm a man child. I uh, you have to grow up. Why? Why do I have to grow up? My That's responsibilities stupid. are to pay the bills, make sure, you know, my kids and kids are fed. Other than that, I can be a complete and total mm-hmm. idiot. Like, look at the way I'm dressed. I'm no man. You're I'm wearing a sports t- jacket. I'm, I'm, wearing wearing sneakers. I'm, wearing, I'm wearing sneakers that a seven-year-old boy would wear. <laughs> Kanye West does that, and he freaking sells out your arenas. Socks exactly. do match your hat, though. My socks match my hat. Exactly. I'm no man. Like, when we were kids, <laughs> men wore suits. Look at this. We look like a bunch of idiots. People used to wear suits to get on planes. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Just everywhere. So when I, I have an aunt, she works for Air Canada, and uh, she would give me, you know, ticket discounts and stuff like this, and sometimes I'd get bumped up to first class because of it. I'm flying on her guest pass. So my mom would say, you have to wear a suit on the plane. I'm like, no, I don't. Once they stop... S- Smoking on planes, it all all rules one out, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you look at old footage from old hockey games. I mean, when you went to the Montreal Forum back in the day on a Saturday night, you got dolled up. You wore your best to the Montreal Forum on a Saturday and your second best to church the next day. Uh, like, people were pimping back then, looking really good. So, okay, Jeff Merrick wrote the forward to your book, mm-hmm. um, and you reminded me of something. Do you remember... Or have you ever been told of, or have you maybe even been to the Merrick compound and seen footage of um, the most gruesome fight in hockey history? Yes, uh, I've been to the Merrick compound. He played me the fight between the Niagara Falls Flyers and the Edmonton Oil Kings where Derek Sanderson just cold cocks a guy. And like six times. Like Jesse, uh, you have to The only this. person I've met who loves hockey fights as much as me, well, there's two people. It's Jeff Merrick and Colby Armstrong. And that makes sense. Jeff and I have a deep love for hockey fights. And I'm, I'm sorry, everybody, whatever. And <laughs> the, but the Derek Sanderson thing with the Edmonton Oil Kings, it's insane. There's cops running out on the ice. I don't think it's assault. I, it's assault. It's, it's not legitimate a assault. Fight. Yeah. There were not two willing combatants. No. No, okay. no, no. Yeah. Since we're on hockey fights, what do you think of the uh, Taylor Hall hit on Phil Blasen? Fine. Clean as a whistle. Clean as a whistle. Canucks fans will hate it. I mean, but. you could see Taylor Hall to even go. He lets like, up. He it's let all up. Shoulder. He could have Wendell Clark, Bruce Belden, but he didn't. He let up. And the other yeah. thing is, it, it, Larson's head was down. Uh, it was a clean hit. I just wish that when Taylor hit him, he hit him with soft shoulder pads and soft elbow pads mm. as opposed to. Yeah. This crap that guys wear today, and Don Cherry was the first guy to say that about the elbow pads. Uh, sorry, I screwed up the audio of the show, but uh, no, my, no, I do it every yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that the fact that Larson had to get hit by something that could probably stop a bullet <laughs> is a big downer for me. It, I think if guys grew up playing with old school softer shoulder pads, they wouldn't. And, and Taylor Hall didn't launch himself at him, but they wouldn't be launching themselves at them at the rate we see today in the NHL. Um, guys grow up with no fear, and to hit somebody should hurt the hitter as well as the hitty. And I think that could take the concussions down. And I just went off the rails there. See, it's interesting. Joe Rogan um, was talking about uh, you know uh, ways to make MMA safer, which kind of sounds ridiculous. That's but pretty, <laughs> sounds pretty ridiculous. But at the start, you could stick your fingers in a guy's nose and mouth if you wanted to. Yeah, exactly. So it started ridiculous, and it's come down a little bit. But he was saying, get rid of gloves. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, because it will hurt your knuckles to hit. When you're protected, you 
don't, you're just going to go all out because you're true. safe. That's 100%. true. You'd see a lot more busted knuckles, yeah. right? I mean, you, Matt, okay, there's an old school movie. I can't even remember the name of it. Remember the dad from Tommy Boy? Dad from Tommy Boy. I'm blanking right now. Okay. Real old school tough guy. So anyway, he played this role where he was an, a man. A and man. He had old man power. I love to talk about old man power. So he's fighting this young guy. <laughs> old man by dad strength. And the young, yes. Yogger. Exactly. <laughs> so the young, guy, dad, the young yeah. guy would go to hit him in the face, yeah. on the nose, and he'd just duck down, he'd take the punch in the forehead, and the young guy, <laughs> ah! He'd bust his knuckles. <laughs> so you're right. If you can damage a knuckle in a fight, yeah, yeah. you're going to shy off a little bit. Yeah, that's that's not, so, like that's not the worst rule. Football would be safer if they didn't wear pads. Football, football would be way safer if they wore old leather helmets. Yep. I swear, yep. it would be. It'd be more like rugby, where you absorb the hit. Exactly. Right? Instead of launching yourself head on head like a, you're some sort of I don't know what are they called mountain goats or battering rams like a ram, a ram, yeah. a that's ram. The animal I'm looking for. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. We're not. It's funny. They're you're right. They're made for protection, but they're weapons. They've yeah. become weapons in in <laughs> hockey. Uh, elbow pads and shoulder pads, as much as you don't think they're a weapon because you're not yielding them, they're weapons, man. Like, the, the hell, a shoulder pad should be there to, to protect your shoulder, not to crush it into a guy's chin. And I think we've gone, and people will say, yeah, there's fewer separated shoulders today. And I'm like, would you rather have a separated shoulder or a separated brain? I'd rather <laughs> hurt, my, hurt my shoulder than get, get a nasty concussion. So to me, it's we've gone too far, and but the league, and you can see how well the league works with the equipment manufacturers because they're sure doing a speedy job of getting this goalie gear taken care of. I mean, but but the, the other thing we is we don't even know if they're going to exactly. The other thing is, if you're an equipment company, how do oh, you justify <laughs> how do you justify selling shoulder pads for 150 bucks or whatever they are if they're just soft foam? You can't. But if you think they're this big high tech crap. Which does more than just protect your shoulder. You can charge a lot for well, it. Well, and why why aren't as many kids signing up for hockey? Well, because their parents are probably thinking, "Oh my god, I don't want to put my kid out there." And that's that's scary. And money, money, money. money. Yeah, I am a noted bender. <laughs> I suck. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I wanted to learn. I still want to learn. But okay, so I need to go out and get a full set of equipment. Yeah, I went out and looked at a new pair of gloves. Yeah. It's over a hundred dollars for yeah. just the gloves. Yeah. Just the gloves, the hockey pants, the, it's like a thousand dollars for gear. Oh, go to play it again, sports or whatever. Dude, even to get used gear, which by the way is used gear, uh, it's still like several hundred dollars. It's not cheap. It's and it's it's getting more and more expensive. There's gonna be I've always like look at where kids are drafted out of now. They're drafted out of big cities. This isn't the the quaint small town success story. Farm kid from Saskatchewan game it used to be. It's not. I mean, now you're talking every little town in Canada has to have their little mini stadium with their ice sheets. What was wrong with a rink with 50 people in the stands and and no stands, but the ice was cheaper because you didn't have to play for the multiplex that you don't really need. So the game is it's way too expensive. And you're right, buying gear it's it's out of hand. It's it's totally out of hand. I remember there was a year. I want to say it was like 2008 or something where there was a draft class where there was like an unusual, an unusually high number of names that you recognize. Like, oh, that's the nephew of this player. Mm -hmm. That's the son of this player. And now it's every draft. Every draft there's like 25 minimum. And, oh, well, it's just the genes, just good genetics. Yeah, Yeah. and wallets. Yeah, and wallets. (laughs) Yeah. Well, look at all these kids being drafted at Arizona because all the players stayed there. They coached there. 
it's not a cheap sport to play in Arizona. I'm pretty sure it's kind of, the ice is somewhat limited. There's not a lot of places <laughs> to go. Like, oh, so, uh, you know, it used to be, you know, let's say Oshawa plays Whitby in a game. Now if you play hockey in, in Arizona, where are you guys playing this weekend? Oh, St. Louis. Then we got a road trip down to Los Angeles. Then we got one over to San Francisco. Uh, last I checked, that's not cheap. Mm. So the game is, is, it's changed and whatever. Everything changes and evolves, but... It's not it's not this small town romantic story I don't think that it used to be. It still is in some aspects, yeah. but in a lot of ways it's not just that anymore. It's rare. You got to find them. Like like I think of like hometown kids coming up. There like Michael Bunting who was drafted by the Coyotes is mm-hmm. actually a nice story. Mm-hmm. He was good enough for AAA, couldn't afford AAA, kept playing at AA. Yep. Kyle Dubas actually and the and the Sioux Greyhound scouted him. Uh, sign him to the to the Sioux Greyhounds to play in the OHL. Uh, ends up getting drafted by the Coyotes fourth round. Great good, story. Good story. Great story. But most of the like local Toronto kids, mm-hmm. they're coming from like Vaughn, yeah. Woodbridge, yeah. and yeah. Maple. Where Forest there's Hill. Tons of money. Forest Hill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not the it's it's not the romantic story we thought it once was. And I mean, I I can't. Luckily, my child has my genes, so he's not going to play AAA hockey. But... <laughs> Even if he's playing, I know, single A, it's stupid. Like you're, it's single A. Just make this neighborhood play that neighborhood. It's it's for the parents. It's for the egos yeah. of the coaches. It's for the parents. And there's some great hockey parents and coaches out there. But we should just take it, take it back a notch, and just remember the kids are. It's just supposed to be having fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to pause for we one pause. second. Yes, to go to commercial, and we will talk about. I'm sure what Vegas, the Canadians. Oh, that's right. And um, before the radio portion is done, we will start to talk about Ken Reed's new book, One Night Only. This is the Panicle Pizza Steve Dangle podcast. Panicle Pizza, something for everyone. So, you know what we didn't tease heading into break and forgot to mention basically the whole time is the last podcast, which you weren't there for. Nope. Was really, really good. (laughs) It was fun listening to it as a fan. So you did listen to it. That's good. That's good. So... I don't know if you know this, Mm -hmm. but we had... So everyone has been yelling and screaming about the Florida Panthers and how could they do that to Gerard Gallant and Mm -hmm. what are the Panthers thinking? Mm -hmm. And I was wondering the same thing. So I decided to tweet minority owner Doug Sifu, uh, minority owner of the Panthers. I go, hey, would you come on the podcast? And within like half an hour, he was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Way to go, Doug. (laughs) Yeah, so he came on. He was on for like 45 minutes. Um, we didn't hold back. He he didn't hold back. He seemed pretty honest. It was a real good show. We got featured in Thirty Thoughts. Yeah, that was pretty I cool. saw that. That's nuts. <laughs> That's huge. That's like Real-like. I felt legi- that made me feel like a man, yeah. like a grown up. Really? That is <laughs> that is. Uh, I always say every week, two must reads every week. Thirty Thoughts by Elliot Friedman and mm-hmm. the Picto Advocate comes out once a week. My hometown paper <laughs> oh. <laughs> comes out on Wednesdays. But that's yeah, a must read for everyone. Yeah, when you, uh, when yeah. you get into Thirty Thoughts, that's 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 big. Yeah, that's that is. You're the um, head of Elliot Friedman because those are his thoughts. Yo, that's messed up. And we were like that. thought twenty one, so we were better than nine other thoughts. Yeah, that's pretty but good. Think about that. <laughs> you, Steve Dangle. Are in the grill. You're in the cage of Elliot Friedman. You're in there. You got in there. He even messaged me to say like, "Good job in the interview." Like that's that's like being told, "Hey man, that was pretty funny" by George Carlin or, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I hold him in that in that regard. So yeah, it was it was a pretty cool interview. It was kind of like you were talking to a Mark Cuban like character. 
Well, he had an answer for everything, and he had so much personality that Doug. you couldn't really hate him. He was Doug, good? Yeah. yeah. So, have but, you heard it, Ken? No, I haven't heard it yet. But you've heard it? I have. So, as a listener, yes. what did that sound like? like? Like I said, it was like he wasn't, he was giving answers, and you accepted them, but he wasn't giving the full thing, because he knows the politics of everything, and mm-hmm. how it's going to come across. Yeah. So, he's a smart know. man. Yes. He seemed, <laughs> within 30 seconds of him being on the phone, I was like, this dude is ecstatic to yeah. be on the phone right now. Because he's just Yorker. been getting destroyed yes. for like a week. Right. And now he gets to talk. Mm-hmm. Isn't it nice, though, uh, that you put this podcast together and you can give someone a venue to tell their story? Because you got, you got some listeners, right? It's not like this is, you know, Johnny Podcast and nobody's listening. <laughs> 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 he, he might have thought, Steve Dangle, eh? this, this young man has built up an audience. No, not, not young man, but this boy has built up an yeah. audience. <laughs> we established we're not men here. He watched yeah. your video and he said that. That's you. right. Yeah. That's right, and it's amazing how like things uh, um, evolve. Yeah, evolve. I can't. No, there's another word. Whatever. Because we did a video for the Minnesota Wild, um, a bunch of their players talking about their players, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was messaging with someone with the Wild about it because they're going to promote it on their social. And I was like, hey, you know, I also have a podcast where we'd be able to get this guy or that guy. We recently had Doug Sifu on and they're mm. like, oh, sure. Yeah, no, no, no. We we know about your your podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's legitimate. Wow. That's weird. It's just eh? like, yeah. yeah, the Leafs, by the way, hard no. <laughs> but still hard no. But at least, hey, Panthers and Wild. They know. We're working our way up. They know. It's weird, too. Like when I call somebody to interview them for the book. Or my other books or whatever. I'll say, yeah, hi, my name is uh, Ken Reed. I work at Sportsnet. And I'm working on a book. Like, oh, yeah, I watch you on TV. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And you think, that's right. It's out there. So people are consuming it. But it's nice. It gives you an in. You know? well, and Sportsnet, which is what I'm starting to use. Yeah. Hi, I'm Steve Dangle. I work with Sportsnet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. Hi, I have a podcast. Click. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, right? yeah, I'm the podcast guy. Phone. Click. I'm the Sportsnet guy. Listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Street cred, right? 100%. Absolutely. You gotta use it. Well, yeah. Do we want to get into the book? I would love to get into the book. Yes. So, okay, I know what the book's I about. Don't tell everyone. About, I don't want to talk about the book today. You don't want to talk about the book? <laughs> of course I want to talk about the book. I'm shameless. Uh, so what's it about? I know what it's about, but tell sure, everyone. Sure, the book is, okay, so this is the deal. In the history of the National Hockey League, there's been about 6,500 men who've played in the NHL. 350 of them have only played one game. Wow. So think about that. You make it all the way to the NHL, but you only get there for one game. So I called up and talked to 40 guys who were members of the One Game Only Club. And basically, I just wanted to know, did your dream come true or was your dream ripped out of your hands? Because you made it all the way to the pinnacle of your profession, but it was over before it started. So I wanted to get the perspective of their one game and and basically what it meant to them in their hockey journey. And, And that was where I started, but it ended up being how it played into their life journey. Because for a lot of these guys, this game happened really early in their in their lives. I mean, we talked about how we're a little older, we're not men yet. For a lot of these guys, they played their one game in the NHL when they were 19, 20. So are they going to be defined by that, or are they something else? So Jeff Merrick had the same idea for a book. Jeff and I were going to write this together, but Jeff's the busiest man in the world, as you know. He's hosting hockey, he's doing podcasts, he's everywhere, he's fantastic. So Jeff was kind enough to write the foreword for the book, and... The the Ford is fantastic. When I read it, I'm like, wow, Jeffy, you're deep. Because like we said, <laughs> philosopher compared to power chord guy, right? So the, the book kind of just, it's about 40 guys who had their one moment at the peak of their profession. Now think about if you wanted, if you lived all your life to do a podcast 
and you got it, but you only got to do one. Or you only got to go to one Leafs practice as a reporter. Or you were wanted to be the greatest surgeon in the world, but you only got to perform one knee operation. Or you want to be the greatest carpenter in the world, and you only get to, to build one house. So how does that moment define you? And that's what I set out to find out. Merrick said something the other day, like, you can't have the light side of the mountain without the dark one. And I was just like, Whoa, wow. Jeff, like, and that's from a guy that really geez. likes wrestling and hockey. Fights. I know, I know. He he can tell you everything about like Nietzsche and Doink the Clown. Like, <laughs> Jeff every- range. He has range. Oh my god, that guy. So, were any of these games, or were were any of these players? Uh, you know, they played their game. Maybe they had a little bit of heat behind them, a little bit of a little bit of expectation, mm-hmm. and they got hurt. Yes. Uh, really? In- injuries factor in. Well, one of the guys in the book, uh, Brent Cron, he was a junior star with the Calgary Hitmen. I and, recognize that name. Yeah, he uh, he took the Hitmen all the way to a Memorial Cup final. I want to say it was 98 or 99. It was mm-hmm. 99. Just dawned on me uh, against the Ottawa 67s. 67s, let's go. And anyway, uh, Brent... Brent was a first-round pick of the Calgary Flames. Played junior for Calgary, first-round pick of the Flames. I was actually covering that draft. And the saddle don't went nuts when they drafted him. Uh, and the expectations were that this kid was going to be the guy. Now, throughout the rest of his junior career, and even before he was drafted, he ran into some knee troubles. So Brent ended up getting pretty banged up. But he started his pro career uh, with Las Vegas in the East Coast League, climbed his way up to the American League. But as he was climbing up, the Flames went and did something. They traded for a guy named Kiprasov. So, <laughs> suddenly, Brent, who's supposed to be the next big thing, is just buried down the depth chart, and he never got a shot in Calgary. He ended up playing, his National Hockey League career consisted of 20 minutes, playing in the third period in a Dallas loss in Chicago. So that was it. Like he, They had all these expectations. I remember when he signed with the Flames. It was it was huge news, but it just it never ended up panning out. And Brent, he took the, the you know the path that most guys do after their pro careers uh, come to an end. He went and worked in in Fort McMurray on the oil rigs, wow. trying to figure out what he wanted to do. Unbelievable! So this is the cool thing about this book. You may be sitting right now. You could be working with a guy that that played just one game in the NHL that that might be working on an oil rig with you. There's a guy in here who played for the New York Rangers. He works at the beer store in Scarborough. I mean, what? Yeah. Which one? Mike Keating is his name. No, which uh, which beer uh, store? Which beer store? Uh, I'm no. not sure. Tell me after. Is it yeah. 40 out of 40 guys who just have regular jobs now? Um, well, actually, uh, Don Cherry's in here. I don't okay. think Don has a regular job. <laughs> Claire Mackesy, who's director of player personnel for the Minnesota Wild, he's in here. Donnie Waddell runs Carolina. He's in here. Okay. Don, Don played one game. And then, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at some names. Bob, uh, okay, uh, Trevor Fahey. Coaches hockey in Tampa for minor hockey kids. Uh, Ken Duggan, he played one game for Minnesota. So I asked Ken Duggan, um, what are you up to now? He said, I'm retired. I go, oh, yeah, I know. You retired when you were 24th in the NHL. He said, no, no, I'm retired, retired. I go, but you're 51. He goes, yeah, I've been retired for 10 years. Whoa. And you retired for 10 years. He goes, I had some luck on the stock exchange. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there's that kind of story. There's Cam Brown, who's an East Coast Hockey League Hall of Famer. He works in the computer industry down in Atlanta. There's Jack Stanfield, who's a TV executive. I mean, there's Daryl Olson, Dylan Olson's dad, who's a hockey coach. So there's, Dylan there's Olson, literally yeah. guys in here that are doing everything. And I, that's one of the things I loved about the book is is guys stayed in hockey and guys got as far away from hockey as, as you can mm-hmm. imagine. There's a guy in here who's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. 
Darren Boyko, because he works at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Just down on Yonge Street. But he's also a member, get this, of the Finnish Hockey Hall of Fame as a player. So there's there's all... Guys took all kinds of different paths when they wow. were down to their one game. He... Wait. So yeah. he had a good enough career in Finland yes. to get into the Finnish Hockey Hall of Fame. Correct. Moves to Canada mm-hmm. to do what at the Hockey Hall of Fame? He's He works in international... Some sort of their international appeal or international... Because he had... He got an oh. so while he was playing in Finland, he got an MBA in Helsinki. Comes back, gets a job at the Hall of Fame, and he works in, kind of in their international wing. And you can go in the trophy room, and Darren might be sitting down there, like he might be walking around the Hall of Fame. And this is a guy who played in one game for the Winnipeg Jets back in the eighties. Small guy, didn't really get played much that night. Ended up going to Finland, carves out a career. And this is funny. I was doing a book signing at Word on the Street in Toronto during the World Cup of Hockey. So I did this little speech in front of about 50 people, and then I did a book signing. And this guy comes up, and he's got a Finland jersey on. He's clearly from Finland. He's cheering for Finland. He's in town for the World Cup. And he asked me, and, and, and he's speaking English to me, and he asked me, is Darren Boyko in your book? I said, Darren Boyko is in this book. He's like, oh, I was such a big Darren Boyko fan. I grew up watching him in Finland. I wonder what happened to him. I go, he's just down the street at the Hockey Hall of Fame. So this guy's just amazed, what? amazed that Darren Boyko, this who's a big time in Finland, had one game in the NHL, and now he works at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And a heck of a nice guy. Heck of a nice guy. You know? And Darren was like a lot of other guys when I called him for the interview. He was a little reluctant to talk. A lot of guys were reluctant to talk. And I think maybe they were reluctant to talk because maybe they thought I was going from the standpoint of, hey, you only played one game in the NHL. You bum. Or, yeah, I was, what happened? I was going from the standpoint of, you played one game in the NHL. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and writing this book changed my perspective. I don't look at a game and say, oh, that guy stinks. Because he doesn't. He's in the best league in the world. You go out and, and try to play shitty with any one of these guys, and it will the kick murder. your butt. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It will kick your butt. And it is something to be proud of. I know a guy, yeah, it is. he played... I think it was just one game. It might have been a couple, but it was uh, exhibition games. Mm-hmm. That's it with the New York Rangers. Oh. And you better believe where he works now, he's got that jersey hanging above his desk. Sure he does. Framed yeah. and everything. Because you know As what? He, should. he played an exhibition game with the New York Rangers, man. That's way higher than most people do. Well, there's some cool jersey stories in this book, too. Um, Don Waddell, he played in one game for the LA in 81. And back then, I mean, you're... Jersey doesn't mean much to you, right? So he, he stayed up for two weeks with L.A., but he only got in one game. So a few years back for Christmas, there's this big framed wrap thing under the tree, and he's looking at it going, what's this? So he opens it up. It's his framed jersey. His wife had gotten in contact with the Kings. They put him in contact with a jersey collector. This guy had bags full of old L.A. Kings jerseys from the 80s. So his wife knew his jersey number. They literally are just going through garbage bags of old jerseys. You're joking. They oh, wow. match up, and Don Waddell has his jersey. Oh. That's a cool Christmas. Card. Yeah. That yeah. is awesome. And it's not just like he kept it over the years. Nope. or he was it had disappeared. It. It they had, had to find it. They had to find it. So this collector in L.A. had him. There's another guy in the book, Jamie Dornbosch. His, his story is absolutely incredible. Uh, his name is familiar yeah. because he... He was part of a clip that went viral a few uh, okay. years ago. Uh, was he on the... No, he would have been on the Kitchen, Kitchen Rangers, Rangers, right? Yeah, yeah. So the Rangers had a five-on-three. Mm-hmm. Was it Pete Carroll was the player's name? Something Carroll. 
um, there was a player who lost his stick early in the five-on-three penalty kill, and he blocks three shots <laughs> square off his ankle. Can't even walk uh. at the end of his. Can't even walk at the end of the shift. And Dornbosch, I think, was one of the guys. Dornbosch is one of the who, shooters. Blam! 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 <laughs> just hammering it at this guy, and he. It was like. It was like that that joke clip that's been going around of that soccer goalie that just keeps oh, getting yeah. the ball to the yeah, face yeah, over yeah, and over yeah, again, yeah. but real and with pucks. Oh. And uh, yeah, Dornbosch. That soccer wham, one I love, dude. Wham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, what's... <laughs> oh, so Dornbosch, uh, he finishes his junior career with Kitchener. They lose mm-hmm. out in the playoffs. It's mm-hmm. his 20-year-old year, and he kind of bangs his shoulder up in the playoffs. I think he said they lost to Plymouth. They were expected to win the series, but suddenly his junior career is over, so he's sitting in Kitchener, and, you know, he calls his agent... He says, look, can you get me somewhere to play for the rest of the year? Maybe in the East Coast League or something, like a lot of guys do at the end of their junior careers. And uh, so his agent says, sure. His agent calls him up the next day or a day or two later, and he says, what are you doing tomorrow night? I don't know. You want to play for the Islanders? And he's thinking, wow, you got me a deal in Bridgeport. You got me an American Hockey League deal. This is awesome. Sure, Bridgeport? No, 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 no. New York. New York what? New York (laughs) Islanders. What are you talking about? Do you want to play tomorrow night for the New York Islanders against the Pittsburgh Penguins? Oh, my God. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Yeah, why not? So he drives home to Richmond Hill. His parents drop. So he goes to bed. So the game is that night. So he's flying out of Toronto early in the morning. Flies in to New York. The Islanders, he gets off... Gets off the plane, comes through the terminal, and there's a guy there with the Jamie Dornbosch sign. He's like, whoa, this is is kind of cool. But he's got this shoulder problem. Of course, they have to give him a medical. So he sits there on the ground, just way through the medical, passes his medical. And he's like, wow, I'm going to play in the NHL tonight. This is kind of weird. Because the Islanders had run into some injury problems. I don't know if you remember. It was probably five, six years ago, and they were down bodies. So they needed bodies. I uh, I think I remember. That's when they were like down to like their fifth or sixth goalie. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, this game is the Islanders' last home game of the season, and it's against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, the previous game, the Penguins and Islanders had gone at it. I, <gasps> was that one of the— Chad that was... Johnson, DiPietro game. Oh, my God. So— wow. The Islanders think, okay, it's on tonight. So Dornbosch comes into the to the pregame skate, and the guys are all looking at him, and they're thinking, well, who the heck's this guy? They're like, are you a goon? Are you a tough guy? He's like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, no, I'm just a nice, nice hockey player. So he has his uh, pregame skate with the Islanders, and uh, goes stays at the at the hotel across from Nassau, and goes back, and it's game time. So he's nervous. He's got his Islanders jersey on. And he's thinking, "Oh, this is this is crazy." So before the game, they're warming up, and Trevor Gillies is the Islanders' tough guy, who so, is a lunatic, by the way, <laughs> so, just an assassin. So Trevor Gillies is given the Penguins the Trevor Gillies eyes, and he's like, "Oh, he's staring them down." Dorn. So Gillies is backing up. Dornbosch is is uh, warming up out by the blue line. He ends up, this is his rookie game. This is his first game in the NHL. Trevor Gillies is trying to set the tone against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Gillies is looking at them and looking at them. Dornbosch accidentally comes up behind Gillies and trips him, and Gillies falls on his butt in front of the Penguins. So the tone is not set. So Dornbosch heads into the room, and all the chatter in the Islanders' room is, who spilled Gillies out there? Did you hear something? Oh, no! And and Dornbosch is like, yeah, that's me. So I say, did you, did you say anything to Gillies? He's like, no, I was terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. Yeah, you could waste a whole afternoon looking up uh, Trevor Gillies' fights. Staring down Lunatic. Dudes. He Staring knocked out dudes. John Morasti. 
Nasty Morassi. He knocked out Nasty John Morassi <laughs> in the KHL, right. and then I've like that scrap. smack talked the entire bench. He's yeah. a he's a maniac. Wow. So so I wouldn't talk to him either. <laughs> he spill he spills Gillies. The game goes on without much incident. So the game is over, and I say to, to Jamie, I said, "Well, did you keep your jersey?" He goes, "This is the thing. It's the last home game of the year." It's jersey off your back night. Oh, no! <laughs> so he has to give his jersey away. It's his first oh. NHL game. He's like, so there's some dude who paid money for my jersey. They don't really know who I am, but he has to give the jersey away. So he's like, oh. oh, no. No, this is awful. So into the room they go, blah, 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 blah. Dornbosch goes over to Gillies eventually. He's like, look, I'm, I'm sorry about about tripping you in the warm-up. We didn't set the tone there. And so Gilly says, don't worry about it. It's all good. He said, by the way, it's your first NHL game, right? Yeah. Gillies goes and gets the jersey back for Dornbosch and gives it to him and says, there, nobody ever did that for me. That's for you. Wow. So to this day, that jersey's framed in the Dornbosch household north of Toronto. And there it sits. So that's pretty cool. Way to go, That's Trevor Gillies. That's how you sell a damn book. <laughs> that is how you sell. I already have your book. I want to give you $20. There you go. <laughs> so that, that is why. That's another, like, never judge a tough guy by what you see in the ice. Because the tough guys are generally the nicest guys. They're the guys who stand up for their teammates. They're the guys who will stop step in front of a bull for their teammates. So Trevor Gillies, as, as wacko as he may seem on the ice, given the Gillies' eyes, went and did that for his rookie teammate. That's pretty cool. Way to go, Trevor Gillies. I love a story like that because too often I think you hear on TV like often the the tough guys are the best guys. They are, but they, but they don't give any context to it, right? Mm-hmm. Other than like it just sounds like they're fishing for something that's not you there. Hear that when about you explain Kiprios. it like that, sorry, you hear that about Kiprios all the time. Yeah, and well, and he's hilarious. By yeah. the way, man, I was at the uh, Sportsnet Christmas party where I uh, shoved in the line <clears throat> in order to help this gentleman get a beer yeah. and also myself. Thanks, <laughs> and. Uh, Kiprios, he sees me, and he's standing next to Kathy Broderick, who is, like, one of the most powerful people in sports broadcasting in this country. She's Don Cherry's producer, I guess. Yeah. Or Hockey Night in Canada producer. And um, he he starts really excitedly explaining to her, I, I told this China Club story on the podcast. <laughs> Have you heard this before? And she's like, no. And so he, like, I got to sit through it again wow. as he explained it to someone else. <laughs> this podcast is taking you places. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and then I, I told him, I go, I, t- I told Messier that story, and he was not impressed. Oh, he, he goes, oh, yeah, no, he, would, he wouldn't have been impressed by that. <laughs> yeah. But the tough guys are the nicest guys. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of tough guys in the book. But I, I, it's funny. I remember when the the, the, the Leafs picked up uh, Brad May. Yep. And it was Brad's first practice. And I'm thinking, oh, man. Because I'd never interviewed Brad before. And I'm like, what's this guy going to be like? Is There's not a nicer guy than Brad May. He's a teddy bear. I used to, um, when he was on Leafs TV uh, briefly, mm-hmm. I uh, used to feed him stats. Oh, really? Yeah, because, like, I, I don't know. He didn't know about, like, I guess, prepping for air. Yeah. Well, <laughs> neither most, did I, but I would yeah. be like, Carl Gunnarsson is a plus four. He's having a heck of a game. But yeah, the tough, I love that. The tough guys are the nicest guys. Yeah. There's a whole chapter on toughies in here. So it, it, was, it would surprise you the number of tough guys. Actually, it wouldn't surprise you the number of tough guys that just got the one game. And, mm-hmm. and how bad does that stink? Because, okay, you're a tough guy. You're called up. And it's your first game. You know what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And of course, no one's going to tell you what you have to do, but you know what you have to do. But the worst part about being a rookie tough guy is when you're called up, you got to ask the older tough guy if he wants to go. And the older guy might just go, not tonight, kid. Nope. I don't mm-hmm. fight rookies. There's one guy in here, Sean McMorrill, 
He's called up. He's by Buffalo. Uh, Rob Ray was traded. Uh, so the oh, Sabres geez. have to play the Leafs. And you got to fill in for Rob Ray. You got to yeah. fill in for Rob Ray. <laughs> he beat up a fan. Yes, Sean, Mc- <laughs> Sean McMorrow from Scarborough. Huge Leafs fan. He's thrilled. It's his first game. He's looking over. Of course, he sees Ty Domi. Oh, my God. He grows up loving Ty Domi. So what do you want to do if you're a tough guy and you grow up loving Ty Domi? You want to fight Ty Domi. Exactly. Because you're messed up in the head, apparently. Yeah, so he goes up to Domi, and Domi just says, I don't fight rookies. Oh. Oh. Come on. And what, and what if, I mean, one in a million, but what if he just gets a lucky shot in and dummies Domi? He probably That's gets not game the last two. game of his career. He probably gets game two. 100%. Oh, man. I know. So timing, opportunity. It's it's it, this the, the book's kind of like life. What if this just happened? There's a guy in the book, Mike Murray. He runs a professional team in Knoxville, and he said he was on a two-on-one and he had a wide-open net. The guy elected to shoot, and he said, "If that guy just passed the puck, I got to tap it. Yeah, I get a goal. They pretty much have to play me again." Pretty much, that, dude. Jeremy oh, wow. Williams made like a brief NHL career out of that. Yeah, remember Jeremy Williams? Just tap it in, tap it in. He, I think, had four or five goals in four or five games, spread over three or four seasons. And they're all just he would get one call up at the end of the season, one like one game mm-hmm. score. Next season, does mm-hmm. it again? Does it again? Does, and he did it like four straight years, and they're like, "We got to give him a stint." Right? Yeah. Stays for a while, goes cold. I think right before they were going to send him down, injury. So he's injured, can't prove himself, but at least he's getting that NHL right. paycheck. Mm-hmm. Injured. So the, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of like goals, there's three guys who've played in just one game who've scored a goal. Two of them are in the book. One of them's a ref now, Dean Morton. Okay. The other guy's named Brad Fast. Now, if you want to impress the ladies. You can say, who's the last guy to ever score a goal in the last NHL tie? It's Brad Fast. He scored a goal for Carolina (laughs) against Florida in a 6-6 game. It was the last ever tie in NHL history because they went to a lockout the next year. Mm -hmm. So this guy, he's he's a pretty good puck-moving defenseman, as they say nowadays. He scores on Roberto Luongo, ass- assisted by Eric Stahl and Rod Brindamore. That's good company. That's not bad. <laughs> How did he get on the ice with Good them? company. So he's on the ice at the end of the game. He ties it up. He beats Luongo at 6-6. What? How did the coach have him on the ice at the time? Because he was a speedster. He could go. Unreal. So he scores a goal, and he's like, oh, yeah, life's good. I just scored a goal in my first NHL game for Carolina. I can't wait for next season to start. What happens? Lockout. Uh... Mm. Lockout happens. You guys remember Carolina, their AHL team during the locker year was stacked. Stahl was down there. I want to say Mike Commodore was down there. Maybe Andrew Ladd? Ladd was down there. Uh Cam Ward? No, he he might have still been in junior. He might have been. So anyway, they had a stacked team. So what happens to Fast? He get so like a few months after scoring a goal in an AHL game, he's he's looking around, he's in the East Coast League. He's going, what in the heck is going on here? Next thing he knows, he's in Europe, and it's it's done. It's done. It's done, and it's it's all in a lot of cases for these guys. It's timing. Like it was just timing, and not even making the most of your opportunity. But when did you get that opportunity? And it, like it's just oh man. Like what if what if I went to be anchorman at Sportsnet, but instead, but Stud Anchorman was already there. Well, I'd have to wait for Stud Anchorman to leave. If Stud Anchorman never left. You know, I didn't get my chance. There's no injuries in broadcasting. Very few. <laughs> yeah. Very you don't few. get to, hey, hey, kid, Don Cherry rolled his ankle tonight. Can you be the coach for Coach's That's Corner? True. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I've never heard of an injury in broadcast. Yeah, Other oh, Ron McLean is, is yeah. clavicle. Yeah, we got an MCL tear up on the set. Can you get up there? 
Never happens. Um, uh, we should wrap up the radio portion oh, here. Oh, jeez. We could just keep going And we'll forever. come back and talk more about it. We should talk more about the book of, I don't know. Does Vegas really need to be mentioned? Do yeah, we need to talk about time. a trademark? Nah. You know they're going to get their way. Yeah. Done. <laughs> they're, they're not going to not get the name. Uh, just we, drop the K off the name. Yeah. Oh, that works damn. Through. There That's you go. That's my idea, man. And then it's Golden Knights. Hey, hey. And you can put like a, a 50-year-old guy with a gold chain on the... And a doing the double suit, guns? Doing the double guns on the, on the logo. Hey, hey, hey. And if you're looking for that guy, YouTube Kids in the Hall, coolest man to ever live. It's the best skit you've ever seen. It's just a guy walking down the street just like that. He should be the Golden Knights mascot. I thought it was Jesse. All right. So if you want to hear more about Ken Reed's book, One Night Only, head to sportsnet.ca. And this podcast is brought to you by... Panago Pizza, which is good. I love Panago. They were across the street from Sportsnet here. I'm there all the time. Thank you, Panago, for the fine pizza and the great abs. I mean, <laughs> do, need I say more? Exactly. Give the gift of Gretzky. 99 stories of the game by Wayne Gretzky. First, he rewrote the record book. Now, he's written the story of our game. To mark the NHL's 99th anniversary, Gretzky looks back on the last 99 years and tells us, from his point of view, about the NHL's most memorable moments. We already know what he means to the game. Now, he shows us what the game means to him. From hockey's fierce early battles on natural ice through its mythical golden era, where Howe, Richard, Beliveau, Hull, or an Esposito defined greatness through the unforgettable dynasties in Montreal, New York, and Edmonton, and the success stories of today's NHL. Gretzky takes us onto the ice and into the dressing room to share never-before-published stories about the great players and great characters who have inspired him. Head over to your local bookstore today and to cross another person off your list this holiday season. So who's who's your brother? Yeah, we were just talking comedy and I said, you know, my brother is a stand-up comedian. He's not one of these guys that just, you know, does it and doesn't get paid. He's his name he goes by Peter Anthony. He uses the last name Anthony because when he started, my dad said, You can't be swearing with my name. So that's <laughs> <laughs> such a dad thing. Yeah. He goes by his middle name, Peter Anthony. He's done just for laughs and Halifax Comedy Festival, Winnipeg Comedy Festival. He makes money doing it, which is impressive. So he's got some It's a good hard stuff. thing to make money. Yeah. It is. It's funny when I was breaking into TV and and Pete was breaking into comedy. The similarities between trying to break into TV and trying to break into stand up, they're so similar. Mm-hmm. Because you you're get going paid to dirt. You get paid dirt, you're going to small out of the way places to to hone Work your for craft. Free. Work for free in a lot of cases, but eventually you climb up and wow. And uh, I can always tell a success. This is how I rate a successful stand-up comic in Canada. And I know a lot of them. And I think they'll take this the right way. Did you sign your own lease and or mortgage? Because if you've got your name on your rental agreement, you're a successful Canadian stand-up comedy. Because it does not pay well. And the guys who do it really have to hone their craft. And like this country, I'm just thinking of some guys I know just off the top. Darren Frost, Rob Pugh, Dave Hempstead, Pete Zedlacher. I swear, Jeremy the best, Hots. Jeremy Hotz, the best stand-up comics are right here in Toronto. I swear, They're, these guys are amazingly talented. Well, and this is this is the interesting thing about the comedy scene in the states. We'll get to your book. <laughs> this is the interesting thing about the comedy scene in the states. Like, there's a really healthy one in Boston. Yes, mm-hmm. New York obviously has one. L.A. has one. And you can find, uh, I think Texas, surprisingly, really? has like a pretty big one. Uh, Maybe, Houston. Uh, Austin? Houston. Yeah, Houston, Houston, maybe Austin, Austin too. Yeah. 
but in the states, you don't have to drive all that far to get to your next major city. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Like you got Toronto and then Montreal. Yeah. Like unless you... London, Ontario has a healthy comedy scene. Yeah, they have the yuck yucks. But if you're doing, if you're doing, you're right. If if it's like in in rock and or roll in Canada. Like you're driving to gigs, you're spending a lot of time mm-hmm. driving to gigs. Whereas in the U.S., you can just—it's easy. Yeah, if you're in New York, you can just go over to Philly, do right. New Jersey, Philly's go to Boston, yep. stop over in Connecticut. Yep. You do the whole little area. Here, you're paying your dues. Yeah, oh your yeah. Dues. And and it's funny too because my brother still goes to some some far. Away. Like my brother, I swear he's been everywhere in Ontario. He's been everywhere in Western Canada. The first time he met Norm Macdonald. And Norm's like, yeah, oh. here we go up to Alberta. And Peter's like, yeah, I've been there. I don't know what I just pronounced, but anyway. Because <laughs> Norm used to be on the Western Canadian scene for Yuck Yucks. And he's like, yeah, do you know? And Peter would say, yeah, I know that guy. And then Norm would tell stories about that guy. So all the best Canadian guys, they've all they've all been there. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good scene. I'm pretty proud of my brother. He's, he's carved out a, a, a good career doing this. He's got a... And when he goes, Peter Anthony. Yeah, he doesn't do a lot of East Coast comedy, but when he goes home, he caters to the East Coast audience. There's a good bit on YouTube, East Coast Conversation by Peter Anthony. He did it at the Halifax Comedy Festival. And it's basically, it's just built on how people talk from our hometown. Okay. So it's, it's pretty good. Going on. In other words, hello. What's going on? Going Do you guys on? trade advice on like broadcasting and yeah. comedy? Yeah. He'll call me, he'll say, is this funny? And I'll say, yeah. And I'll call him and I'll say, hey, you got to watch this. I got, I put dad in a lead for an item tonight and I'll have a big oh. screenshot of my dad and he'll laugh and he'll say, this is, this works or that doesn't work. And basically when it comes to doing stuff on TV, if I think it's funny, then I don't care what you think. Like mm. it's good enough, you know, <laughs> I'm doing it to amuse myself. And that's, <laughs> that's me with my videos. Seriously, that is you guys with this. And if other people embrace it, that's awesome because all you have to do is be yourself. You don't have to be anybody else. I'll tell Adam and Jesse like if a joke bombs, they'll be like, "Ah, oh, they're not all going to work." If it bombs, it bombs. Like, I mean, there's a reason I go on TV and if I'm doing basketball highlights. I'll talk about my old gym teacher, Mr. Yankov, and using the backboard because that's what Wait, I know. What is his name? Mr. Yankov, J A N K O V. That I'm sure he didn't get a hard time. No, no. I'll never forget my buddy. Hard time. Uh, my buddies David and Craig Clark. They're in they're in gym class and it was grade six and I think he was talking to Craig and the Clarks had a long line of guys who'd come through school and that's the thing about going to school in a small town you know they know your relatives and they'll often judge you by your your dad like my mom had the same teachers I had and so and so Mr Yankoff this is the first class first class and Mr Yankoff's going through the roll call he goes huh Craig Clark imagine having a name like Clark. And Craig looks right at him. He goes, better than a name like Yankoff. Oh, right away. No. Out of here, boy! <laughs> that's how Yankoff would kick at a gym class. Out of here, boy! He'd always point up because the locker room was upstairs. Like, like, like a 70s umpire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not lying, boys. We'd play softball. Remember the old school American League umps? How they yeah. had that chest protector holding them? Yeah. We'd play underhand softball. Yankoff would be back there with the chest protector holder in full mask. Strike! Like, it was awesome, and I love Yankoff. Carol Berry, shout out. That's his Berry company in Caribou Island, picked in Nova Scotia. And he was a riot. He'd, he'd have four simple, like, he'd have simple rules. No cutoffs, no work boots, no beer shirts, no cigarettes. One day, grade eight, last last day of gym class, Luke Naylor comes down, work boots, cutoff, an alpine beer shirt with cigarettes up under the shoulder. 
Luke walks into gym class. Yankov turns around without any more words. Out of here, boy! It was just, it was just, it was awesome. Like, it was a competition to see who could get kicked out. It was fantastic. That's amazing. Uh, yep. I am now living in deep regret of not going to school with you. No, like, <laughs> seriously, it was, it was, it was nuts. Gym class was nuts, and and oh. he'd have Greco-Roman wrestling, and of course, to teach Greco-Roman wrestling, Haroon, get over here, and he'd just take Mark Haroon, he'd flop him around on the mats, and then one day, David Clark and Craig Clark, they wanted to fight. So they told Yankoff that they wanted to have a wrestling match for the school, for its class started. So Yankoff goes, all right, boys, get the mats out. So they get the mats out, and Yankoff goes, the clock boys are going to wrestle for us. So he's like, because Yankoff couldn't whistle, so he'd go, to start. So he'd do that. So the wrestling match started, and so all Craig and, and, and David And you just let them fight each yeah, other? Yeah, oh yeah, he'd like to fight. You couldn't do that today. No, you could not. When did you, you would go be to sued. high school? I graduated in 92. So this gym class, oh, okay. would, this gym class would have been like eighty eight. Talking about like, oh my god! And this gym class would have been like eighty eight. So Craig and David they fist fight for five minutes, and Yankov goes enough, enough, and he goes, I thought you boys were gonna Greco Roman wrestle. So that was oh. it. And like you'd play floor hockey, and if a fight broke out, Yankov he was like an NHL linesman. He'd let you go. Wow! Like it would just you'd fight, and that fight would be over, and you go, "Boy, you're that corner, and you're out of here." <laughs> Whoever started the fight or perceived to start the fight was out of here, boy. Like, it was, I it wish was I awesome. grew up 25 years ago. Uh, yeah. And the, the other thing about Yankov was uh, this is uh, shoot a three pointer, boy. Well, why don't you do it, Mister Yankov? I don't have to prove myself to you. <laughs> the only thing he'd do for a display was the old rings. Remember the rings? In oh, you could do that? Oh, you guys had those? Yankoff was jacked. That's yeah, a strong gym teacher. the rings. Just sit there and get red. It was awesome. <laughs> hey, Mr. Yankoff. Oh, my God. Like, I hope he hears this so he, well, he knows I talk about him on TV. I see him every summer. Usually when I go home, he says he's awesome. Unbelievable! So you, you you do go back every summer, right? Oh yeah, I gotta mm-hmm. go back. Yeah, love it back. East home. Coast is the best. Yeah. I know. You, I know you just went out to the West Coast, yeah. and you. I think Canadians, our idea of traveling is like backpacking Europe or right. Going, we don't going discover our own mm-hmm. front yard or backyard. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, really discover Canada. It's so vast and ridiculous. And Vancouver, like the difference from coast to coast. Yeah, it's yeah. a six and a half hour flight coast to coast. Yeah, it's the Atlantic Ocean. It's a KHL road trip. It's yeah. a long way. less, less, way less. Half. It's half <laughs> yeah. a KHL road the lo- trip. The longest KHL road trip during the lockout year was Czech Republic to like this eastern part of Russia that was practically Japan. Well, but then now but, you can basically go from Helsinki to China, yeah. essentially. Well, now if they get their um if they get their team in London, yes. it'll be London to wherever the one in China Just is. I think North, it's Beijing yeah, or something that's, like that. That's a long roadie. That's a little bit of a long roadie. That's more boys, than we're half gonna the world. Bust it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to bust it, boys. How soon until a uh, major sports franchise has to do the London to America trip? Uh, He's going to have the NFL about it forever. I don't think I don't think the NFL will ever do it. No, got to invent faster planes. We <laughs> did. We had way. the Concorde. We gave up on the Concorde. Remember that thing? Well, we need it. We need it again. Exactly. But or time travel. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. But nah, maybe the NFL will do it. it maybe the NBA. Can, it depends if they can maybe. make money. Mm-hmm. If they can make money, they'll do it. Yeah. They can find a way to make money. <sighs> Holy smokes, man. Don't know where to go after Mr. Yankoff. Eh? No. No, I think I'm just going to hand you your book back. Because, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, that's funny. How many of those guys did you visit in person? Who, Mr. Yankoff or the guys in the book? The guys in the book. Uh, I've, actually, it was all, uh, every interview in here was done via the phone. 
All of them. The phone is a wonderful thing. I know a lot of you millennials like texting, but you can actually call and talk to people on the telephone. There was a time, a very brief time, where I was like, I'm never going to make a phone call ever again. And now it's like, it's all I do. I I don't type anymore. I only do the voice command when I want to do the text because I'm too lazy to do this. And if I need something right away, if I need to find out where you are to get you up here for the studio, if I need to, yeah, Yeah. call Jesse, called you, it took two seconds. People always say to me, "What, uh, what do you use your phone for? Calling people. You know, <laughs> what apps do you have? I have the, the, the app where you call people. You know, I'm old. But yeah, I, I've met a couple of the guys in person here. You know, yeah, I know Grapes and I know uh, Darren Boyko. I met him down at the Hall of Fame. But I mean, the, the thing is, the guys are scattered everywhere. I'm just looking Bob Ring. This is this story is nuts. Okay, I start Bob the book, Ring? I start the book with the story of Bob Ring. He's down in the Carolinas now. So I called Bob Ring to talk to him about his one game with the Boston Bruins. He's a Boston guy. The Bruins sign him. He went and played in Niagara Falls, junior. That's back when the Niagara Falls Flyers, Derek Sanderson. So he just missed playing with Derek because I asked him if he was part of that fight. He said, no, I just missed that. But he knows about it. He knows about it. It's got to be legend. Yeah, exactly. So he went and suited up in junior Niagara Falls, and the next year they say, we're sending you to Boston. He goes, oh, man, you're sending me home. Like, no, 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 to play. What? So he's, he's playing for the Bruins. His buddies, who we went to games with in high school, are in the same seats, but except this time they're watching him play. So he has his one game with the Bruins, goes back, finishes the year off. The next year, he's got a problem because he's up for the draft, but it's the Vietnam draft. Oh! It's not the NHL draft. And he's playing. They send him to a camp in Dayton. But he's not a student. He's 19 years old, so he's eligible to be drafted to Vietnam. So like a lot of the guys then, he's like, I don't want to go to Vietnam. Mm -hmm. What do I do? i got to go to college. So he... Calls a bunch of colleges in the in the U.S. and like, well, if you want to play hockey, you can't come here because you, you're not NCAA eligible. They consider him a pro because he played in the NHL. Uh, so he's like, well, I kind of want to keep playing hockey. I'd like to make it back one day, but I don't want to go to Vietnam. So he writes to a few Canadian schools. So he's in camp in Dayton, and it's like, Three weeks into September, schools have already started, and his number for the Vietnam draft is it's like days away. It's ticking down, and he's he's going, oh my god, I'm going to go to Vietnam instead of playing hockey this year. I'm going to Nam. Acadia University calls him, uh, Bob. We saw you applied. We're looking for a goalie. Can you get out here? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Leaves Dayton, gives up his pro career, goes to Acadia, but he's got a problem. He said, I wasn't the best student because I was just a hockey player. So the schools could call, the, the, the draft board could call the schools and say, hey, what are this guy's grades? Are they good? Because if he's, his grades aren't good, we can still take him to NOM. So he gets to the school and his grades aren't that good. But he said, God bless Acadia University because the only thing that Acadia and any other Canadian school would say about their American students at that time was, Mr. Ring is a, is in good standing with Acadia. They wouldn't call him out. So he ends up wow. just playing at Acadia University in Nova Scotia. He's an AUAA All-Star in Atlantic Canada. I mean, this is the last place he thought he was going to be, but he had to go there to keep playing hockey and probably more importantly, not to go to war. So school's over, and he does this four years. He's a member of the Acadia Hall of Fame now, and he plays senior hockey in New Hampshire. He's a practice goalie for the New England Whalers in the WHA, and he never makes it back to the NHL, but he didn't have to go to Vietnam. 
So fair trade. Yes. Yeah, yeah fair. <laughs> so I called them. I didn't know any of this. All I knew was the Wikipedia entry. Bob Ring played one game for the Boston Bruins in whatever year. So I called them thinking we were going to talk about a hockey game. Instead, we talk about the Vietnam War for like 45 <laughs> minutes. And I was like, this is... And that's when I knew. I'm like, this book's about more than hockey. It no was kind of wacky. Like that... Like, can you imagine being 19 and having to make a choice between potential NHL career or potentially going to war and not coming home ever again? Like, that's that's nuts. Like, we think we have pressures. Oh, exams are so hard. They're hard, but they're not. That's not real pressure. No, no. Uh, I hated homework. I Me hated too. exams. That's why I just didn't uh, do it. There you go. And you had the option of not doing it. Exactly. Except now the only only problem with high school, and this is the truth, I had this dream again the other night. Oh, boy. I have a recurring dream that after university and while I'm here at Sportsnet, my dad sends me back to high school to improve my grades, and I have to give up my job at Sportsnet. I'm like, Dad, I have a journalism degree from university. I'm working at Sportsnet. Why do I have to improve my marks in high school? Well, you slacked off. I'm like, I had I had nightmares about exams and homework for like about three years after university. So I'm not alone. And, and then, so there was a time where I was actually, I had two recurring nightmares. It was exams and homework, and it was forgetting like a camera or something, like because I was at Leafs TV, I was an intern there, <laughs> and getting fired. And yeah. the, and but I'm on the train and and I left it here oh, and I gotta wait for the next train. And I would wake up in a cold sweat, and it's time to get up. And now I gotta catch the train in real life. Oh, <laughs> I, I woke up. It was two days ago. I had the, the the recurring dream of my father sending me back to high school, and I wake up angry. Like, I'm like, Dad, I don't have to go back to high school. I've achieved what I want in my professional career. Why do I got to go back and get a better grade in chemistry? I'm not going to use chemistry. I'm not going to be a doctor like you. I'm like, what is this vengeance I have about my father? My dad's a nice guy. You know? But do you have anyway. to call him up just to make sure oh, everything's okay? Oh, I told him. He just yeah. laughs. <laughs> you jerk. Yeah. Click. <laughs> What's I'm wrong not with you? Not yeah. explain it. <laughs> I'm not going to be a doctor. Jesse, no recurring dreams? You're good? No. I, I usually don't dream a lot, actually. I'm wow. not a big dreamer. You're blessed. I know. Because you're living your dreams. Exactly. Whoa. LTD, living the dream of Rash Bidani. <laughs> every time you see a Rash Bidani, what's going on, Rash? It's living the living dream. The dream. Living the dream. That's a Rash Bidani. I was trying to get deep like Jeff Merrick there. But, yeah, you couldn't but, think of it. No. He just keeps coming up. Yeah. Um. So, okay, a lot of these guys, they seem to have really cool stories. Yeah. Um. That last one was, that was deep. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's deep, mm-hmm. Um. but worth it. Yeah, you know, worth it. Um, yeah, yeah. What happened to him for yeah, sure? Yeah. What what stories in there, or what's the biggest one that is just you go? That's a shame. Like he should have played more than one. He should have played more than one. Hmm. Well, I'll tell you a guy who who could have easily played more than one, but he doesn't look at it as a shame. And this is just how much the game has changed. Uh, Mini Menard. Actually, Minnie no. Minnard. You know what? If it's a shame, Larry Kwong. He was the first Chinese-Canadian to ever play in the NHL. It was 1948. Wow. Yeah, and this guy talked to me. He was amazing. Larry Kwong is a name that we should all know as as hockey fans, and we don't. That's like at least 10 years before Willie O'Ree, I think, Exactly. Wow. Exactly. So it was a shame that Larry didn't play more, and he didn't play more because he was Chinese-Canadian. He was the leading scorer for the uh, New York Rovers, which was the Rangers' top farm team. The Rangers, get this, the Rangers found out who he was, 
because during World War II, he served for Canada, and he's playing with a bunch of guys who played for the New York Rangers. And they're like, you got to check out this Larry Kwong guy. They're calling their bosses back in New York. So the Rangers sign him. He goes and plays in the American League. He's tearing it up. Everybody else is getting called up, but he's not getting called up because of how he looks, because of who he is. Last game of the year, they call him up to play in the Montreal Forum. He got one shift. He said, I got one shift right at the end of the game. I was cold. All I did was sit on the bench. And he said, I thought, you know what? These guys aren't giving me a fair shake. This isn't worth it. Hmm. He'd met a guy who said, hey, if you ever want to come play in the Quebec Senior League, come play in the Quebec Senior League. So back in the day, Quebec Senior League was arguably the second best league in the world. So Larry Kwong. Uh, ahead of the American League. Oh, yeah. He signs with the Valley Field Braves. And I don't even know, know if there was an American League in 1948. So he signs with the Valley Field Braves. He's named MVP of the league. Jean Beliveau's in that league. This guy's named MVP of the league over Jean Beliveau. Never got a sniff at the NHL again. Played 10 years uh, in, in that league. Played all across Canada. Um, just a hell of a nice guy. His story really needs to be shared. He should have played in more than one game. He was passed over based on what he looked like. And uh, I asked him at the end of the interview. I always ask, I always end my interviews with, is there anything else you'd like to add? So I asked Larry, is there anything else you'd like to add? And this is a guy who's in his 90s. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And he oh, could. That's right. He and, played in the 40s. And so. I'm, thinking, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, when I ask him, is there anything else you'd like to add? Maybe he's going to go on about how he didn't get a fair shake. And he just, all he said was, I'd just like you to know how much I love the game and how great it's been to me. And I wow. thought, wow, there's a man who's wow. at peace with himself. Good for him. And from talking to a guy like Larry, I realized you should kind of accentuate the positive. So Larry was mm. a guy that wasn't fair for Larry. Um, but there's guys in this book. There's a guy, Minnie Menard, who played senior with the Belleville McFarlands, won an Allen Cup, and he passed up on going to the Detroit Red Wings because the Belleville McFarlands were paying him 18000 a year. In Detroit, if he made the team, we're only going to pay him 7000 so, what? Like, so, so, like, so he nah. chose not to play in the NHL. He chose not to play in the NHL. Wow. He chose yeah, to keep playing senior. That's a hell of a haircut. What, what like yeah. when around was that? 1959, 1958. Oh my then. god, that's I'm trying to think of the equivalent cuz what, what did you say 18,000 versus 7? 7,000. Yeah. So what, why would you do 11, that? What's 11,000 yeah. bucks in uh wait, is that 11? I'm yeah, stupid. Yes, it's 11. Okay. But it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's 11, more than a 50% pay cut. More th- oh. It's like a 66% pay cut to go play in the NHL. Yeah, but not just the percentage. Like, what was $11,000 back then? Right. Like, yeah. it's huge. A lot of money. And he's, oh. So he's making 18000 playing senior hockey. Yeah, screw that. So he's the star yeah. of the Belva McFarlands, and he said for years, all his teammates would be like, what are you making? What are you making, Minnie? Minnie, we know you're making money. He said they're all making 150 bucks. So at the, at the 40th, I think he said it was the 40th anniversary of the team. It might have been the 50th, but he said, I told the guys how much I made. And he goes, and they made me pay for the beer that night. (laughs) (laughs) And and Minnie was such an awesome guy to talk to because he kept asking me, is this this legit? Is this a prank? Is this my brother? Because who would want to do a book about this stuff? I'm like, me, Minnie, because I'm a total hockey geek. So that was really cool. Without without sounding like a jerk, I I think the interviews in this book would probably be more fascinating than talking to any NHL player today mm-hmm. because I don't know how to word this in a, in a different way other than the way I'm going to word it. So I'm just going to say it. You're talking to real people, right? You know what I mean? You're yes. not talking to some NHLer who's doing four or five of these a week. Yep. 
Yep. You're, you're talking to, like, you're talking about the hesitance mm-hmm. of, like, you walk into any NHL locker room and you go, hey, can I ask you a few questions? They're, yep, sure. Yep. Sit down, let's do it. And they just they just want to get it over with. These mm-hmm. people, what are you talking about? Really? You want to talk to me? Oh, yeah. me? Yeah. In the NHL, of course you want to talk to me. I'm, a, I'm an NHL right. player. I'm a big star. Yeah, that was the cool thing was that it's, like, like I mentioned, a couple guys were reluctant to talk because you really want to talk to me? Yeah. Yes, because you played one game yeah. in the NHL, not because you played one game in the NHL. I wanted these guys' stories to be told. I, I like to think I went at it from a very respectful, respectful point of view because I do respect guys who make it to the peak of their profession. And they once they opened up and they, they learned that I was genuine, that, yeah, they were really happy to talk and to share because most of these guys, they're, they're a one-line entry on Wikipedia and they're forgotten <laughs> about name on HockeyDB and they shouldn't be. And that's what I wanted to get through. These There's some really cool stories in here and... It's kind of like my hockey card book. There's more to the hockey card than just the stats on mm-hmm. the back and the picture on the front. There's a story behind that. So we have a lot more listeners than we did. Like, when did you come on? Like, Last we were still time? recording at Adams. So yeah, yeah. it'd be so over well, a year. My hockey card book came out two years ago. So two years ago. Two oh years. my god. Okay, so. If you're a new listener, or I guess within the last two years, go back and listen to the first time Ken was on. I'm sure you could just Google Steve Dangle Podcast, Ken Reed, and also Brad Crisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he was on the show too. Uh, he talks about his first book, which you should also read and buy. By all In means. the opposite order. Um, <laughs> super I interesting. I sat at chapters for eight hours and I decided to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you done signings or anything? Uh, yeah, I got a book signing coming up at the Toronto Card Show. On December seventeenth, it's in Leaside in uh, in Toronto, TorontoCardShow.com. All the details. I'll be happy to be signing books there. But um, I always I always liken my books to uh, uh, the, the big books out there, and you know the big names who write them. That's kind of like going to Motley Crue or Kiss. It's huge. I'm the guy in the corner of the coffee shop playing my own acoustic guitar, so I don't get the big international book signing tours. Mm. Uh, but if if you like hockey and you like life, I think you might enjoy this book because it went way deeper than I thought it was going to go. What were uh, Don Cherry's thoughts on his one game? Don was awesome. And yeah. by the way, thank you, Don Cherry, because when you pitch a book about guys who played one night only in the NHL and and you tell the publisher, well, who the publisher asks who's in this book, I'm like, well... A guy that works down the street, and a guy that, like, yeah, and yeah. Don Cherry. Okay, we won, we won it by the book. So thank you, Don, for taking the time to do this. That is true, because, you, you know, you talk about, oh, this guy avoided Nam, and yeah. this guy, you know, he could have been, like, the, you know, the next big thing in hockey, but they, you know, it was a race problem. And they, oh, yeah. Don Cherry. Don Cherry. So, <laughs> so thank you, Don. And Don was in my first book as well. So thank you, Don Cherry, for taking the time to talk to me. But Don was, uh, Don, he was in the Bruins' plans. I mean, he played the final game of the 1955 season, I want to say it was. A playoff game, Montreal form, Bruins, Habs. Bruins are knocked out that night. And Don says the one thing that stands out after playing in all those barns, it was the milky white ice of the Montreal form. It was perfect. Mm. Also stood out that he gave John Beliveau a little stick love in front of the net. He liked that. John remembered it years later, Don said. But after the game... The Bruins brass, they talked to grapes. And much like you, I got to point out, Don's mom brought cookies and cakes for the guys on the Bruins. So the Bruins <laughs> ate them all back on the train on the way back. But the Bruins, they said, look, Don, we got plans for you. Just we're asking, no, don't play baseball this summer. You know, we don't want you getting hurt. So Don's 20, 21 years old. So what's he doing this summer? Plays baseball. Plays baseball. I've seen the documentary. Yeah, <laughs> sh- sh- shows up with a basically a coat hanger wire held in his shoulder together. And he just couldn't do it in camp and... 
He said the worst sight, one of the worst things he's ever saw was that bus pull away and leave him behind. Wow. And he never made it back to the NHL as a player. Spent 20 years in Siberia. But he has some great stories about his one night and, and really how the role it played in the man he is today. And it didn't play as big a role as you think it did. Which is kind of cool. Because hmm. a lot of guys, I thought, man, this one night must mean so much to you. And some of the guys were like, oh, yeah, it did. Other guys were like, it was part of my hockey journey. You know? It was, it, there's there's no one rule for this book. Because people always say, what's the la- you know, what's the impression from all the guys in the book? I'm like, I can't say there's one. Because there's 40 different impressions. It's Yeah, it's never good when you find someone who's defined by a moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I also understood by this. A lot, a lot of sour people, you know? Yes. Yeah. Like, don't let if one. If only this. Right. Yeah. Life did me wrong. Ed O'Neill and Married with Children poke high talking about his high school football. I could, I would, I should have. Well, don't let one moment define you. Right. And, and for these guys, they didn't let the one moment define them, which is something I really admired was the perspective that these guys could put their one night in the National Hockey League, the perspective they could put it into. Because you'd be. I, for me, I, I sat out doing this book and I thought, uh, it's going to be Old Man Yells at Cloud, like Abe Simpson, right? And mm-hmm. a guy sitting at the end of the bar screaming, you know who I was, but it wasn't. Like, and these then guys, the lockout happened right? and I would have played more games <laughs> exactly. if Carolina. Exactly, but that's not what this book is. And I was wow. so happy when I did this book at the end that that's not what the book was. Because that gave me a, a nice way of looking at things. Because I... Honestly, when I started this book, I thought it was going to be, I, I had a chance, but it wasn't. It wasn't wow. bitter, and I was so happy that it wasn't bitter because everybody, everybody listening to this, I'm sure has been passed up for a job at one point, whether mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a menial job or your dream job. Well, these guys were just passed up for a job. They're like everybody else who's been passed up for a job. So I didn't get a job at whatever station. I got a job at another station. So... That's kind of how they look at it, which I liked. Jeez, That's, uh, man, I'm gonna go home and read this like right away. That's why I had to get Merrick to write the forward. I needed him to be deep. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I have a broader question. Yeah, okay. What's it What's it like balancing writing two books and being a national host on Sportsnet? Uh, when you have no kids, it's easy. When you have two kids now, it's tough. <laughs> so I'm I'm I got a book coming out next year with Dennis Marouk. Uh, okay. Dennis is one of 20 men to score 60 goals in a single NHL season. Dennis will also be, I'm judging by your reaction, you maybe didn't know that, Dennis is also <laughs> readily admits that if you're sitting around a bar and you go to name the 20 guys who scored 60 goals in an NHL season, his name's not amongst the first you list. No. He's down at the bottom of that trivia question. So our angle on the book is basically Dennis Marouk, the unforgettable story of hockey's forgotten 60-goal man. And now Dennis... When his hockey career was over, his hockey career ended because of injury. So picture this. In 1982, he's the toast of the NHL All-Star Game in Washington, D.C. He's at a ball with, the, with he's at lunch with President Ronald Reagan, gets a standing O at the All-Star Game in Washington that night, or Landover, Maryland, as they played in back then. Scores 60 goals. 10, 12 years later, he's uh, steering a ship in the middle of a Gulf of Mexico during a storm. But then he's a farmhand. For John Oates from Holland Oates. You remember Holland Oates? She, Manny, whoa, here she comes. Yeah. Watch out, boy. What? She'll chew you up. Holland Oates? Yeah. Yeah. Dennis was the farmhand for John Oates. He's a bellhop at a hotel in Aspen. He's a furniture delivery guy for Goldie Hawn. His total 180. So he's totally out of hockey. 
And this is a guy that 10 years before, the year Gretzky scored, and this is the other problem with Dennis, is 60. He scored a 60 the year Gretzky scored 92. Oh. <laughs> How much do you think Dennis is 60 guy? None. Yeah. Nothing. He scored a so. 60th in Toronto. Now, if you imagine today scoring your 60th goal of the season in Toronto, <sighs> boom, media boom. everywhere. And last night, Dennis Mrook scored a 60th goal. Well, and 82. No one was paying attention to the crappy Leafs. Exactly. So, oh my God, Dennis is an amazing guy. He went through a hell of a ride when his career was over, but now he's back home in Toronto. He's a happy. He's, he's just it's been a peach to a guy to, to to share time with. So I'm writing a book with Dennis that'll be out next year, and I'm working on another hockey card book. And to answer your question, it's it's time management uh, when you have two kids and. You have a real job, and then you're writing books for fun on the side. So it's a lot of time management. I, I want, I want that book. Dennis, <laughs> I want good. to read it today. Good. It's, it's awesome. It's, it's. Oh. I, I think it's totally different than any other hockey book out there. Uh, yeah. The chapters are really short because we wanted to have sixty chapters, of course. Yeah. Well, like this. I mean, how yeah. long are these ones? They're pretty short, but the, the, the reason four, four, five pages. So maybe. you have sixty chapters for yeah, each goal. Sixty yeah. chapters, and the reason uh, Dennis, I got to know Dennis, was he was in my first hockey card book because all I knew about Dennis Marouk was he scored sixty goals and he had an awesome mustache on his old hockey cards. But there's so much more. Dig a little Jeez. in, and Dennis and I just played in uh, Eric Lindros's Easter Seals hockey tournament. Dennis Marouk was my celebrity teammate. He can <laughs> still snipe. He can still fly. He's a How fun is that? Yeah. Oh, by the way, man, it's awesome. If, yeah, Easter Seals is such a great cause. I do some work with them. Uh, if you ever, if you're ever in, in in Southern Ontario, they do a lot of hockey tournaments. I get to play against Eric Lindros twice. How That's cool crazy. is that? Let me know how I can help. Uh, Easter Seals um, d- uh, helped my family and my sister a lot. Really, uh, growing up. So cool. yeah, I'd love it's to awesome. help in any Easter way. Easter Seals is wicked. Yeah. Um, I haven't gotten to play ice hockey with with uh, you know any former NHLers, but I was at Road Hockey to Conquer Cancer two years ago. That's a great time. And uh, I think it was Lou Franceschetti. Yeah. Was screaming at me because I flamingoed to block a shot and he goes you block it like a man <laughs> Lou, you face awesome. it and then he gave me a little bit of stick for oh, it oh really Lou's wicked oh. yeah you I, was, play, I was just like okay you guys should play on my team next year I'll probably be going in one of the tournaments again so what? I'm not going to turn down we had a guy this year a uh, buddy of mine Andy Knapp owns Moose Power it's a solar company he was sponsoring our team uh, he's a great guy he'd never played hockey before so he came as our coach and we played the first game. He said, man, this looks like fun. He went out between games, bought skates, helmet, gloves, took the warm-up. Final game, I said, Andy, you're getting a shift in. You're All he's get got in there, kid. <laughs> Two minutes left, he's out on the ice taking face-offs against Eric Lindros. It's wow. a blast. Oh, it, was, it was awesome. It was so much fun, and that's what it should be. It's it, I don't care who wins. You're raising some money yeah. for a good cause. You're Absolutely. rubbing shoulders with actual real hockey players. Oh. It, was, it was great. It was great. So that's unbelievable. Yeah, and, that's unbelievable. And the, with the Easter Seals, you get to meet some great kids and some some great former players who give a lot of their time to Easter Seals. Um, Jesse, do you have anything else? Oh, no, go ahead. So I think I, I I don't remember where I ever heard this quote, but it's stuck with me hardcore. If you think about something every day, you mm-hmm. should pursue it. Yeah, every single day I think about writing a book. You should do it. How do you how do you write a book? Well. the Luckily for me, Ian Mendez was a big help because I had this hockey card story thing floating around in my brain for a while, and I called Ian because he had a book coming out with Jamie McLennan, Noodles, and I said, how do you do it? And he said, first thing you do is get a literary agent. And I said, what is a literary agent? 
He said, it's somebody who pitches your book idea to the publisher. So I said, you just can't call up yourself. And he's like, you could, but if you get a literary agent, gives you a little street cred. Okay. So I called the literary agent, Brian Wood, who's still my literary agent, great guy out in Vancouver. And I gave him my pitch for this hockey card book. He's like, I love it. Let's do it. I was, what? I called <laughs> for my porch. My, my, front, <laughs> my front porch at 9 a.m. his time. And I was thinking, what do you mean, let's do it? So, <sighs> let's, so he signed me up to a very simple contract. And about a week later, he's like, I got you a book deal. I said, what do you mean you got me a book deal? <laughs> I got you a book deal. And I said, well, now I have to write a book. <laughs> so then I, wrote, then I wrote a book. So it's not like you go chapter one. No, like, no, no. So how did you? So for me with the hockey card book, uh, they were cards I always wondered about because mm-hmm. like, I was a massive hockey card collector. I still have about 50,000 cards. Jesus. So I said, I, why, why is Dennis Marouk in a Washington Capitals uniform, but says he's on the Minnesota North Stars. And why does he have this massive mustache? So I have to find out where Dennis Marouk is. I call Dennis. I say, do you mind if I interview about a hockey guard? Yeah, no problem. Can I record this? Sure. <laughs> record a 20-minute interview. Sit down and write a story. Do, six, do that 60 times or 59 times. And I had a book. This book, One Night Only, was Call 40 Guys Up. And do 40 little stories. Now, my next book is with Dennis, so it's just on Dennis. We've got about, I'd say, 16 to 20 hours of just Dennis and I on tape talking. And then I go, i got to transcribe this. Oh, no. <laughs> so I had a couple of sports journalism students help me transcribe it. And that's great. Yeah, yeah that's, and that's, that's great. Amazing. By the way, one, of them, smart. <laughs> one of them just got a job in Lloydminster doing local sports, so shout out, Lance. Way to go. Nice. There you go. Yeah. That's great. And, so, and then you just let your storytelling instinct stinks take over and hopefully you give it to the publisher they edit it and a year later this thing shows up in the mail and you can wear an ascot and smoke a pipe and call yourself an author or you can wear the sneakers of a seven-year-old child and call yourself a dude who wrote a book which is what i prefer to do i think th- there's a coffee shop right by my house and yeah. i think i'm just gonna make the cover of my book me you know reading my book at a coffee shop and then, so that way, whenever I pull <laughs> right. the book away, I can right. be like, oh, I'm the fancy person uh, from the what, book. What, what do you want to write your book about? I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I think I've had a very, I don't know, kind of wacky little career. Yeah, you have. And it's weird because it's new and it's, and it's, it has stayed new, but it's also like a little bit vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, like I can't. Uh, I, I've told the story a bunch of times, but like I went into, I go into my friend's high school class every year and I kind of talk about my journey and all that. And every year, how long has your friend been in high school? Is he not very smart? Get it? <laughs> no, he's the teacher. Uh, you see, because, um, the, the, the thing is every year, one social media site or app or whatever falls off. Yeah. The students don't remember it anymore. Mm-hmm. ICQ is gone. Uh, two years ago, MSN was, oh, now it's gone. Like a grade 10 student doesn't, it's gone. See, I don't even know what any of this means. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. And then I go, who remembers Napster? And the one one student raises their hand. I go, oh, thank God. And they go, is that the thing from the Facebook movie? <laughs> and I go, oh my God. So like... <laughs> I like I'm wow. I'm staying on this I'm I'm staying on all the new stuff but at the same time like it's the new stuff is no longer the new stuff like YouTube's right. over 10 years old it's yes. like 11 years old so I don't know something about 
building a wacky career out of all this garbage? Well, or? It's funny. I go to, to journalism schools to speak, and people, well, how do you get into TV now? And I honestly, a lot of times I'll say, I don't know, ask Steve Dangle. Because <laughs> the way I did it kind of doesn't exist anymore. Because I worked at, I worked cross-country a bunch of t- couple times and went from station to station, and now a lot of those stations don't have local sports anymore. Mm. So you're right, the way you're doing it, it's it's totally different. It's kind of wha- like Adam did it the old way. Yeah. Adam, Adam did it kind of my way, right? Yeah, so he sent out demo tapes. Yep, that's the way I did it. Yeah. yeah, I'll go to Halifax, sure. I'll go back to Toronto. Yeah, yep. I'll go to Calgary. And yep, Adam did my the way I did it. Yeah, yep, but like that's that's I think that's gone away. I have my idea for your book. I have the title and everything. Ooh. Verbal assault with Steve Dangle, and you just go off on hockey things. This guy and that. Yeah. Guy, well, and I have all sorts of stories. Like, and we talk for hours and hours. I would love to know how many hours I've spoken on this podcast ever, mm-hmm. and in the videos ever. And I have stories I've just never told because right. I I'm, I want them in the book. Untold tales with Steve Dangle. <laughs> See, want, all these. They, they, you're right. Like, there's the thing is is getting people to buy a book. It's tough. Like, because young people don't buy books nowadays. Like, well, you know, not a lot of young people do because it's a time commitment. The podcasts are the like the new book almost. People will sit down and listen to a podcast for a couple hours, but they you know they can yeah. work out or whatever. But but yeah, well, books are different. You know how you sell a book is you go to a big convention center and you yes. do like a six person panel. Yes. How many books did you sell that day that we did that panel? Oh, uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> we so the, what was the, who was the panel? It was you, me, James Myrtle. Yes. Ryan Dixon. Yes. I think that was it. No, there was someone from the hockey news too. Oh, uh, Kennedy. No. Yeah. Ryan Kennedy? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan yeah. Kennedy. So it was five. Yes. It was the five of us. And there we outnumbered probably, the audience. Yeah, we outnumbered the audience. And one thing? of them was my wife. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Thank you for coming out. That she was one of the three. Yeah, it was somewhere in Scarborough and I tweeted about it and everything. I tweeted and, about it. It was it was and what in, happened? Why it was kind of it, in the middle of the nowhere. It was no one really came. tough to find the place. Uh, there was no air conditioning and it was hot out. There was a guy um, in one of the. He was like selling some hockey equipment or so, some training equipment there, and there was a guy uh, just kind of near where we were doing our talk, and I kept looking over this guy. He's just wearing a golf shirt, but he's like kind of big. I'm like, who is this guy? I recognize this guy. It was Bryce Salvador. Yeah, he was there. Former with Peter captain Ink. of the Devils, like two years ago. Yeah, and he was put there on with this Peter Ink. Peter Ing was there too. Peter Ing was there oh, too. Wow. Did not know. And someone who was the guy from uh, the Canadian Paralympic team? He had uh, his Torino gold medal. Yes. Oh, ah, uh, great guy. Rosie. Myself. Rosie, the goalie. Uh, That's yeah, Rosie. I forget his first yeah. name. But, oh, yeah, shoot. great guy. Great storyteller. Yeah. <laughs> and no one was there. there. No one was there. So okay, what happened with the event? Why did no one show up? I don't okay. know. It's just I don't know. You'd have to ask the people to put the event. Yeah, but we were there, baby. Yeah. We were there. Right. So you know. <laughs> Uh, pay Ken back for all that humiliation, <laughs> yes. and for the for the hour and a half, two hours, or whatever of entertainment. Go out and buy that damn book. That's right. And if you don't read it, buy it for someone who will. But wow! You, to, you don't even have to read it; just buy it. <laughs> like that—that that is a great. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, just buy it. Have it on your shelf. Look smart. <laughs> no, buy it. it buy smart. it for a friend. Buy it for yourself. Seriously, if you're if if you know anybody who's looking for a hockey book, I, I know there's some great mm-hmm. hockey books out there. And you know what? Buy lots of hockey books. I don't. I've read all the ones that are out this fall. There's some. Like there's Wainer's books out. Wendell's books out. They're great books. So buy more than one. I think. I think we have hit Don's books out. Cheap yep. grapes. I think we have hit storytelling bedrock. I think storytelling is at an all time, well, we're on the online portion. It's at an all time shit show. Mm-hmm. Storytelling sucks right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I've been talking to a lot of people 
and just paying attention to trends, I think it's just starting to tick its way back up. This is a fantastic book, not just about hockey, but storytelling. Thank you. You can give it to an old hockey fan. You can give it to a new hockey fan. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, I'm a firm believer that everybody has a story, and that's one of the reasons why I spoke to these 40 men in this book. I think there's some great stories out there. There's just a lot of crap around it now. Yeah, I think there's still great stories out there. You yeah. just got to weed through so much stuff to find it. I mean, that's because everybody has a, uh, a platform now from which to tell stories, but not everyone is a good storyteller. I don't know if I'm the best, but I think I'm pretty good, and I think some of these stories are pretty good in here as well. Jeez. Would you ever consider... Um so you had like 16 to 20 hours, you said? With, with Dennis? Uh, yeah. 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 Would you ever consider, you know, tightening that up a little bit and just posting it online after the book's been out for a I while? Don't, I don't think I would do that just because uh, the book is going to be personal. But I think when you record somebody and you ask them to record it for the purpose of a book, I think it should serve as the purpose of a book. If I yeah. went back in time. Because it's a little more casual. Yep. And, if I went yeah. back in time and I said to Dennis, hey, Dennis, we're going to record this for the book and we're going to record it and post it online. Mm. I I think it's unfair to Dennis to to do that. You would have told it differently. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, okay. not, no, I would have told it differently. I just, I think uh, when you record something, uh, you, you should make it clear to your, to your interviewee what you're recording it for. So if yeah. I record okay. a story for the yeah. book, hey, this is for a book I'm working on. Cool. Let's do it. If I'm going to record it and post it on the internet, I'll say, hey, this is for a book I'm working on and the internet. Cool. So that's that's why I wouldn't go back and do it. But maybe for my next book, I will I ask the guys, hey, do you mind if I record this for the book and for the internet? And if they say, cool, well, voila. You're amazing, dude. Like anytime uh, I've ever heard someone talk about the book they wrote, they're like, man, it was, it was hard. So hard. And you're like, and my next book. <laughs> so you already got number three coming. Yeah, that's because I'm weird. Um, I don't know why I do it because I honestly I do it because I I love hockey stories. It's that simple. If you come to my house, all my books are baseball books and hockey books because that's those are just the books I like. So I'm just thrilled to be able to write about stuff that I like. I'd like to think if somebody else wrote this book, I'd buy it. So that's hmm. that's kind of why I do it because I'm not doing it to get rich. You got holes in my pants, and you know, I'm purple shoes. Purple shoes, which I love, by the way. Um, we had one question from Twitter, yeah. from Andrew. He said, "Can you ask him about the time Jamie McLennan introduced Ken as someone else to a group? To a group? Uh, Noodles probably introduced me as Eric Francis because Eric Francis and I got <laughs> mistaken for each other a lot. I see it. I see it a little bit. Yeah, back in uh, back in our Calgary days, Eric and I used to roll together quite a bit, so we'd be mistaken for each other." Quite a bit. I remember going to a cover a high school football game, and somebody from the stands yelled down, Hey, it's Eric Francis. And I just turned around. I seriously went, You're damn right it's Eric Francis. Best columnist in Calgary. What are you going to do about it? And I just kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Noodles probably introduced me as Eric Francis at one point. Because okay. that might have been our little inside joke back in the day. That is awesome. Yeah. awesome. That is spectacular. I mean... Damn. I'm, like, I don't want this to stop. You keep no, going. I don't did, care. It's an hour 40. Jeez. Is that, what's the record? Oh, it's like two and a half hours. Yeah. We're not going to get there. Screw that. No, I want to no. get home eventually. <laughs> I got a book to write. Yeah. Traffic gets worse by the minute. Oh, I'm yeah, you it. got a book to write. That's right. Um, well, damn. I guess. Any we'll... hockey card request for the next book? Is there any hockey card you'd want to see in there? Now, keep in mind, I'm going back. Because you know who I got? I want to get the Olaf Kolzig hot dog card in that. And I was looking at that. I haven't seen that one. He's holding what a hot that? dog. And what? I looked at that card again the other day and I realized. In mustard, he spells Olaf on the hot dog. Oh. I've had that card for years, and I just realized 
The mustard spells. Who old. allowed that? <laughs> That's what I want to know. He's on the bench. Do that. He's on the bench. So how did Oli get that? Doug Gilmore from my next book. He tells me about his upper deck one where he's he's leaning against the wall and jeans and his cool black leather jacket. Yeah. So there's I have like a like a little deck of cards and it's like stars from around the league and they're in like horrific outfits or they're yeah. like dog sledding or something. Yeah. Are you talking about the card from that set? Well, yeah, there's like Dino Cicerelli's feeding a rhinoceros on an upper deck card. I want to know the story behind that card. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I want I want that. I want stories like that. Um, are there any like neat McDonald's cards? There's. A, I want to do Ally Afraidy's McDonald's card from the 93 All-Star Game where you, where you set the record for the shot. 105 oh, miles Oh, yeah, yeah. And Al uh, Al does a lot of work for Easter Seals. There you go. And I want you guys to know that Al Iafrati is about more than just a boom and slap shot. He was a great player. Great player. Are there any Tim Hortons cards that are worth anything? Oh, yeah. Those Tim Hortons cards are worth money. Yeah. Tons. Tons. Okay. Tons. Validation. Yeah, Steve loves money. those. They're worth money. I, I love do. the fact. Here's what I love. That my kid's in the car, and I can say, here's a pack of cards for 99 cents. Open it. Because most of the time, packs are expensive, and yeah. if you want your kid to get into hockey cards, and maybe you do, maybe you don't, but if you want your kid to enjoy the game, that's like the equivalent of back in the day, me going, my dad going, here, I spent 50 cents on this, open it up, kid. Mm. He can do with those things whatever he wants. Unless, of course, he pulls the sign, Sidney Crosby. Then dad's yes. pulling over. Yes. <laughs> yeah, hard seriously. Case. But yeah, they're worth money. Yeah, they're worth money. Okay. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah, I, I have so many cards that, like, I could easily throw away. They're just commons. But don't. Doubles. Mm-hmm. Well, no, because not, not just... To have them, but like, I think it'd be great to just. I, I hope to one day have kids and be like, here, absolutely. Here, here's this guy. Oh, here's a Theo Ron Flurry. Uh, no, let me tell you Theron. about Theron Flurry, kid. <laughs> exactly. Like, let me tell you about Peter Forsberg, kid. Yeah, they're no. little pieces of history for me, anyway. Because back in my day, there was no internet. I didn't know what the players looked like. The Colorado Rockies, you wouldn't see them on TV. I remember open, getting a pack and giving a Colorado Rockies guy in it, and I think. What is this far off team with these blue and red and yellow uniforms? I, and then one day I called Jack Valaket up about it. And I'm like, why do you have an ear patch on your CCM helmet? He's like, oh, I got hip checked into the boards and crushed my ear. I'm like, really? Jesus. Tell me more, Jack. Tell me more. <laughs> so there's there's all kinds of stories. Like, I I, I, I don't know. I've got this geeky appetite for, for kind of this. There's more to the. The picture says a thousand words, right? So for hockey cards. Tell me a thousand words and let's do something with it. Jeez. Well, okay. I'm going to let you save some for the book. Yeah. Because... We don't uh, just read the whole book on air. Uh, <laughs> chapter <laughs> one. I tell Jack Martin I'm writing a book on men who play just a single game in the NHL. It doesn't take long for the name of another one gamer to pop up. I met Dot Cherry at Maple Leafs camp and then... Well, you'll have to read the rest of the book to find out. And there we oh, go. Tea. Oh, jeez. Tea. One night only. Buy it. Don't it, rent marry it. it. Marry it. Get a copy. My God. What else do we want to talk about? I, guess, I, th- I think we're done. I think we're good. Vegas? Vegas. Eh. Nah. Eh. They screwed up their name. Canadians. They're probably going to unscrew it. Back to hockey. Uh, uh, the top, they, I, hopefully by the time we're done recording, they've traded for Peter, uh, Peter Holland. Hopefully. I think it's a good match. All the Habs fans telling me it's not. Shut up. Yes, it is. Oh, you want Peter Holland to go to the Habs? Just take, well, friggin' the Leafs are obviously going to get rid of him. They need to get rid of him. Just get rid of him. So uh, I was at the Leafs game a week or two ago against Washington. Mm-hmm. And I always buy those those pucks that they, they give the money to whatever cause it is. It's oh, yeah. You yeah, get yeah. a signed Leafs puck. And then I usually give it to somebody back home for a charity auction. I got Peter Holland. Hey, that was there my you signed go. puck. So it's for sure he has to get traded now. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, man, I guess I guess we're done. I guess we are. I'm so good at being like, we need to finish, but I'm like, <laughs> I don't wanna. And we're finished. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys. That was fun. No that problem. was fun. That was. Thank you. Jesus. I always love a podcast that I can invite myself onto. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt bad because like Adam and I and well Jesse too, we'd been talking about like, yeah, we got to get Ken on. He's, yeah, he's got a new book. We got to mm-hmm. get Ken on. And then I go to invite you on and the last text in our conversation was one from you that I just never responded to. <laughs> like, hey, I got a new book coming out. Can I come on the show? <laughs> crickets, crickets, crickets. I, I just I just whiffed. We got to so get a Vanka on here too. One day we yes. do old preggers over there. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I found out. I found out from Instagram. What? What? She's pregnant. Um, can you relay how he said that? Preggers, <laughs> old preggers <laughs> over old there. Preggers over there. <laughs> We're on a I thought Ivanka basis. didn't like me. Wait till she hears that. Oh, that pretty what? Awesome. I didn't think that was bad. No, it wasn't bad. I didn't think that was bad. It's we had a coffee affection. once. It was lovely. So Come next, back. we're gonna have Tim and Sid. Oh, and oh, yeah, yeah. So. Is, is Sid the funniest guy in the world? Possibly. He, yeah, he is. Like, you know how we we talked about like, uh, you know, uh, what, what was I saying about George Carlin? Oh, when Elliot Friedman like praises right. you and puts you in, yeah, in thirty right. thoughts. Um, when the Leafs lost nine two to Nashville, I walked into you know I did my video freaking out, and then I walked into Sportsnet the next day. Mm-hmm. No, no one said hi or anything. The, the first thing that happened was Sid Sixero stood up from his desk and just goes, Steve Dangle, ladies and gentlemen. Steve Dangle. <laughs> Stand, like, gave me a standing, yeah. spontaneous standing applause. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, to go on a rant that Sid Sixero thinks was great. Yeah. Then you know. Yeah, he good. does rants. <laughs> yeah. And people, yeah, that's right. And people love Sid. I don't think people. And hate him. Necessarily <laughs> know how, like, like. When you work in a building like we do, and you do your show, but it's not in front of a live studio audience like Oprah, mm. you don't get immediate feedback. Like, yeah. we'll tell a joke on air, and there's nobody laughing. And you do your video, there's no one laughing until it plays in someone's house, and then there's somebody laughing. I'm always, I'm regularly amazed by, oh, that took off? Cool. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. So it's like, Sid has this huge following. So we go to a, J- uh, this year, uh, the Jay's Care Foundation, they do an auction, and called the broadcast experience so part of it is you get a tour of the truck play-by-play guys and you get to sit at the game with Ivanka and I and Tim and Sid so when Tim and Sid and Ivanka and I go to the games Tim and I always say we're the official photographers of Ivanka and Sid because <laughs> everybody <laughs> wants a picture with Sid and everybody wants a picture with Ivanka so Tim and I are pulling other people's phones and taking pictures but Sid people go nuts for this guy it's hilarious so we're at the game Sid shows up about two outs into the the top of the first. There's a captain of an unnamed Canadian National Hockey League team three rows behind us. And he's just sitting there with his buddies watching the game. And nobody's really taking notice because, you know, he's not in his gear. And, but he's, he's this guy's a good player, really good player. Sid Sixero walks down the stands. We're about halfway down section 122 or whatever it is. And somebody else, Sid Sixero, and all of a sudden these people jump up and they're reaching for their phones like the president of the United States <laughs> Tim wow. and I are in tears laughing because nobody cares that Tim McAuliffe's right there no. No, with all due respect to Tim but Sid's coming out and Sid's like hey hey hey, hey whoa, whoa. people are freaking out it was so funny uh, that'd be funny if they were like oh my god it's Sid Sixera wow oh my god it's Ivanka Osmak wow hey wait over there look uh, it's Tim McAuliffe and Eric Francis yeah. <laughs> that's basically it that's basically uh, it so people are freaking out for mm-hmm. Sid and 
It was it was absolutely hilarious. He's the man. My my one Sid Sixera story is when I was at the Hello Canada Rogers party. Oh yeah, and then they had a free adult pops, so I had a couple of those, and I drunkenly went up to him and was like, "You gotta come at our podcast." <laughs> and he's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Dangle," and he's like, "Dangle." And so we kind of arranged that to happen. And hopefully that happens next. We're we're uh, talking about details. I was talking to Tim about we're gonna try to do it in their studio, but there's obviously like you need people to like light it and yeah. operate the cameras. Yes. So we can't yeah. get we probably can't use their cameras. We can maybe use ours, but why don't we just do it here? I don't know. We're we're talking about it, but the Tim and Sid uh, oh, you SDP mashup is happening. Here's yeah. the great yeah. thing about Tim and Sid: if you ask them, they're good dudes. They'll do it. That's that's the oh thing. yeah. No, they already said that's the thing I learned about in this business. I, I don't know about you guys, but I was very intimidated of talking to other people in the business when I came up. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I realized they're all pretty nice dudes. And then I realized now, like, oh wow, I'm I'm one of the people in the business. And when people ask me stuff, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Whatever, I don't care. Like it's just it's just weird when you become the man. You used to think was the man. You know what I'm saying? You're not young Steve Dangle anymore. You're a twenty. You say I'm set up. <laughs> you're a twenty eight year old grizzled vet. You go to high schools and talk to students about how they can make a career, which means you've made a career of your own. No. Frightening. Nuh-uh. Frightening. No, I think I think they frame it that way, but I'm actually going Don't end up like me, kids. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a blogger. Make something of yeah. yourself. This Steve Dangle guy used to be on a thing called YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> So old. Man, he really should have got on that Keek train, because that ended up taking over for YouTube. Wasn't that it, Keek? Yeah, Keek's a thing. It did. The internet. I don't understand. Uh, And I wouldn't have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids. That's right. My father's afraid of the internet. He should be. Yeah. Terrifying place. (laughs) He should be. Uh, Ken Reed, One Night Only. Holy shit. Buy it with your money. And don't call people old preggers. Old preggers. Ivanka, I'm sorry. My goodness. She's pregnant. It's a thing to be celebrated. Okay. Panago Pizza. Love you. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Brought to you by Panago Pizza. Order at Panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness. 